From Relay FM, this is Upgrade 332, and welcome to the most prestigious night of the year, the biggest event on the calendar. It is the Upgradies Awards. This is the seventh annual Upgradies for the year of 2020. This episode is brought to you by DoorDash, Pingdom, SaneBox, and Hover. I am one of your hosts, I am Mike Hurley, and I am joined by my co-host for the awards this evening, Mr. Jason Snell. Hello, Jason Snell. Hello, Mike Hurley. How are you? I am fine and dandy, my friend. Fine and dandy, indeed. You know how much I look forward to this event. I have been very excited and working away over the last week or so to get everything together for today. Um, And I'm very excited to start our award category shortly. But we do have some things that we, you know, we have the intro of the awards, you know, to kind of get everyone settled in. People are still taking their seats, getting Mm -hmm. their drinks. Warming up. We're warming up. So I have a couple of Snell Talk questions for you today, actually, because uh, I had one that okay. I thought of, and then I also found one that was award-related. So I thought, All right. if we don't ask you now, I might not ask you for a year. So uh, my question to you, Jason, is if you could give an honorary Upgrady Award to a winner in a category that we do not already have for this mm. year, what would it be and who would it go to? I like that you're asking this at the beginning, because that means that I really can't give it to anything even remotely close to what we cover. Yeah. Because we don't know, as we'll get to in a minute, Mm -hmm. we don't know who the winners will be. Unlike other award shows, this just happens as as we go. Mm -hmm. Um, I am going to give an award uh, for the best helpers of 2020 to public health professionals, frontline healthcare workers, and vaccine scientists for all that they did in 2020, because, you know... 2020 yeah the 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 scientific community the medical community this year i mean it's surely going to be in our lifetimes just an unprecedented effort you know i i you know i would expect that we will probably not see anything again on this kind of scale i sure hope not yeah (laughs) Let's just assume i i feel better just assuming that this is a one undone Uh, um and you know, like you're completely right, right? Like the the health professionals and the healthcare workers, the way that they step up like that, and I have kind of been astounded by what I have learned uh, about kind of uh, medical science in, in mm. this year, in the sense of like the entire world focuses on a problem at the same time with yep. unlimited resource, we can fix it. Yep, and I think that you know that that what we've seen with vaccination technology and research this year is is kind of astounding. Um, and I hope that there's some stuff that's learned from this whole process that could be applied to other things. So I completely, I, you've picked the very best uh, honorary upgrade award and winner uh, for 2020, I think. Yeah, I think so. And Stitch asked, when and in what category do you think that Apple TV Plus would win its first uh, big award like an like an Oscar uh, or an Emmy, and that, another <laughs> take that Emmy. Golden Globes, take that. Yeah, they won. They did win an Emmy, right? But was it a supporting actor Emmy? Was what? Billy no, that was up? the. Wasn't that the Golden Globe, or was that the Emmy? I think that was an Emmy. But let let's let's assume as a bigger award. What do you think Apple's biggest award could be? Oh, oh no, yeah, you're right. He won, won one uh, for supporting, supporting actor, actor Emmy. Yeah. So Emmy already. They, they there's there's your. There's your answer. My get my answer for both of these generally is it's probably some less visible category. Um, I was going to actually say documentary might be a good example of that. Right. Um, if we're talking about the Oscars, especially, I think it'll be something that is a 
uh, it's a doc or a short or something like that that's in a smaller category that um, we've seen Netflix win those awards before. Like um, maybe it comes out of Apple's collaboration with Oprah or, you know, I don't know what it's going to be, but that that would be my gut feeling is that Mm. it's going to be something like that. The Oscars are going to be harder, right? Because they're going to want to, you know, it's that whole premiering things in theaters presumably that will be a rule of again at some point and the emmys they've got one but you know i would also say uh you know documentary uh uh, visual effects are always a place where they've got some of these visual effects series like for all mankind where they might actually have a chance in a category like that and uh, while we're talking about the emmys and like major awards um i would i I mean i don't know what's going to happen obviously but i jason sudeikis would get my vote um, for best actor in a comedy for Ted Lasso, so I, I wonder if they will, uh, if if there will be some Emmy recognition for Ted Lasso on the way. I wonder if they could with a show like Ted Lasso pick up an actual like best comedy, right? Because that's like it's the po- major I, stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's the big yeah the big awards yeah. is I, I think that's a separate question, but it's like will Apple win a major category in the Oscars or the Emmys, and what would it be in? And I think that that's you know, that would be my answer is it's probably an acting award in a category, but I would, mm. yeah, I would, I think Apple's going to get nominated in some of these categories. Um, their, their slate is good and getting better and it'll be fascinating to see what they are. But like Ted Lasso is the one that I'm looking at now because that seems so obvious to me, which of course means that they'll probably not even get nominated because that happens all the time with the Emmy Awards. There's nothing more Emmy Awards like outrage about not being nominated or Oscars, quite frankly. If you would like to send in a question to help us open an episode of the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag SnowTalk or use question mark SnowTalk in the Relay FM members Discord. So before we get into the awards, let's talk a little bit about the upgradies. Why do we why do we have this award show? Why why do we mm. have it? Why have we been doing this thing for so many you years? You wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. When we started the podcast, which we started in September, we got to the end of the year and you said, Jason, let's do a best of the year award show mm-hmm. and we'll call it the upgradies and we'll make it the first annual and i said no you can't call it that you have to wait a year before it to show that it's annual and you agreed which is was big of you and uh and so yeah you really wanted to do it but this is a thing that i always did at uh, mac user and mac world we had the eddie awards and so we always had a, an annual product cycle where we yep wrote down winners and nominees and had debates in, you know, in various conference rooms about like what should be the winner in various categories. And I always thought that was uh, a a fun process. It was also a lot of work and I got really tired of it (laughs) at the end and I made other people do it instead of me. I actually ran it for a little while. Um, But I I think there's something to that. And, And what's ended up happening here is that we've taken our sort of end of the year review show Mm -hmm. and a way to talk about some of our favorite stuff from the year and wrapped it in this kind of award structure that replicates a little bit of that that kind of back room, the conference room experience of discussing our options out in public, which is obviously not something we ever did at Macworld or Mac user for, for the Eddie Awards. That was all very secret. And then there was just a ceremony for a long time. There was this actual like tuxedo <laughs> formal ceremony where actual statues were handed out. Uh, but here on Upgrade, you get the you get to hear the back the back room mm-hmm. conversations about what we should give the awards. And I think that's part of the fun of it. 
Yeah, so we have been, uh, and then over the last few years as well, one of the changes that we made was to uh, take nominations from the upgradees. So if you listen to the show, you've been listening to the show recently, you've known over the last month or so, we have been taking nominations from you. Uh, we had, I think it was over 1,500, 1,600 people cast their nominations. So thank you so very much if you uh, took part. And I really like that because we get a lot of feedback and there will typically be applications and and things, uh, whether it's stories or media, that gets recommended that I otherwise wouldn't have considered. And and that's really great. So we will do as we do every year. I will read out the, for every category, the top three in the Upgradians voting. And then we will also talk about our own personal nominations for the categories as well. We use our nominations and the Upgradians nominations to for the two of us to decide on who we think uh, is worthy of the win in each category. So it's it's really good to have that. Sometimes the, the Upgradians can be the casting vote. Honestly, sometimes the Upgradians have been the entire vote, and I expect that there'll be some of that as we go on uh, throughout the evening. So if you want to see who has won, uh, every single award in Upgrade's history. There is a website which is uh, built for us by a wonderful friend of the show and moderator of the Relay FM members Discord, Zach Knox. And Zach, me and Zach work together on this. And Zach does all the work. Zach just asks me some questions, <laughs> frankly. Um, and I'm very thankful for that. So that's at upgradies.com. Uh, I recommend not going there right now because probably by the time you're listening to this, all of the 2020 winners will be there. So kind of keep, wait. <laughs> wait until you finish the show then go look at the 2020 website it's really great because we put in every category over every year and you can see every single winner which is fantastic now one of the one of the quirks of the upgradies is our audience being the wonderful uh, nerds that they are have some things that they love so much that they will vote for them constantly forever Mm-hmm. So we uh, introduced the Lifetime Achievement Award a couple of years ago. And the way that this works is if any winner continues to win a category, the same category, uh, three times. So if you win best iOS app three years, it doesn't have to be in a row, but just in total, you get the Lifetime Achievement Award for that category and you are no longer able to win it. So this exactly. stopped from certain apps and especially podcasts from winning the same award every year. Um, as it stands right now, we have three Lifetime Achievement Award winners. And part of being Lifetime Achievement Award winner is you get the recognition every single year in the upgrade yep. as being That's one. Right. So our three Lifetime Achievement Award winners are Best iOS App, which is Overcast, Favorite tech podcast, which is the Accidental Tech Podcast, and favorite non-tech podcast, which is the Flophouse. So they are our current uh, Lifetime Achievement Award winners in their respective categories. I like how you blamed the listeners for this when we pick the winners. So it's really on us more than the listeners. We get very excited about things. That's a good point. Well, it's, what, it's I, our what I didn't say is that we are also the same kind of nerd, right? Who will uh, just I see. continue to... Mm, you got to make that connection there. Yeah, that's, that's right. a very good point. We're all the same. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. We, you know, got it. Nailed it. There are certain podcasts, for example, that we love or apps that we love, and we would just keep uh, awarding them over and over and over again. So it's a good oh, yeah. way to force us uh, to think about some different things and to pay attention to different things. 
All right, before we get into our very first category, let me take our first break of the evening and thank Pingdom for their support of this show and for helping us put on the upgradies this year. Today's internet users expect a fast web experience. No matter how good your content or how effective your marketing, they're going to bounce if your website is loading too slowly. With real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how website performance issues affect your visitors' experiences so you can take action before your business is impacted. How your visitors experience your website differs depending on the browser, the device, the platform that they're using, and you want to identify how visitors are experiencing your website so you can make informed optimizations and deliver a great performance to those who matter most. Real user monitoring is an event-based solution, so it's built for scalability, meaning that you can monitor millions of page views without compromising the fidelity of your historical data or breaking the bank in the process. Get live visitor insights with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code UPGRADE at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and Relay FM. So we move into the first category of the evening for best overall iOS app. So this category is open to any application released at any point. Uh, they can pick up the best overall iOS app. We have uh, from the Upgradians, Jason, at 4.2% yes. Things from Cultured Code. Things is an application that has come up quite a lot um, and I don't believe has ever actually won uh, one of the uh, Upgradies. I don't think neither has it actually been a runner-up in the past, but from my memory, I know that it's always there. It's always voted pretty highly from the Upgradians. It breaks in to their votes. At 7.1%, of the vote, we have Carrot Weather from Brian Mueller. Uh, Carrot Weather is a previous Upgrady uh, award winner from 2017. So, could be picking up a second win here tonight. Um, Good luck, Brian Carrot. Okay. 14.6% for Apollo for Reddit from Christian Selig. Another application that is, uh, it has been a two time runner up. Um, weirdly, uh, in the newcomer iOS app. <laughs> it's won that twice. I'm not sure exactly how huh. that's happened, Jason, but it has happened. I think the app was uh, re-released at one point. Mm. Okay. But, you know, sometimes there are irregularities in the voting process, but Apollo is there with 14.6% of the vote from Christian Salig. This is for the best overall iOS app. Jason, what nominations are you bringing to the table today? I have... Four, and I'm reminded one of the great things about the Lifetime Achievement Award winners mm -hmm. is it reminds me that we have these categories where you don't have to have done anything. You just need to continue to exist and be great, and you can be nominated and possibly win. And I'll know when it's time to stop when you say, Jason, that means this product is now a Lifetime Achievement winner, and then I have to stop. But until then, I can just keep mentioning my favorite apps. Yep. That's the beauty of this process. Yep. Uh, which is why I'm going to mention Fairite Recording Studio from uh, Wooji Juice again, uh, which is probably my favorite iOS app. The uh, the audio editor, I use it for podcasts. I edit the incomparable on Fairite using an Apple Pencil. I love it. It's uh, it's great. I can't wait for it to be on the Mac. That'll be nice too. Mm -hmm. um, but the the experience of 
sitting with my iPad and a pencil and editing a podcast can't be beat. This my favorite podcast editing experience is is to do it using Ferrite. So I'm going to put Ferrite on my list. Ferrite was a runner-up in 2018. It's because I keep mentioning it and it keeps not winning, but mm-hmm. I'm just going to mention it again. It's great. It's amazing. Um, I want to mention drafts. Mm. Now, I am not... I am not... I, so I've had an annual subscription to, to drafts for a little more than a year. Um, they did a special uh, in involving Stephen Hackett's uh, St. Jude campaign and i bought it then and i thought well i'll try it out for a year and I'll, it's a discount and all of that and then i i just resubscribed for another year i'm not one of these i think there are a lot of people who are sort of like in the drafts life cycle their lifestyle they're like super into it and i it's funny how sometimes the more fervent uh, a fan base an app has and this is true for other things too obviously the less accessible it seems Mm. because all the talk about it ends up being about why it's great to do these incredible things and you put your whole life into it and it changes the way you think and you know that happens See? notion <laughs> exactly Very exactly and there's lot, mm-hmm. lots of examples of that where it's like it, it doesn't actually say the fact that there are rabid fans of something doesn't actually say if that app is accessible or not it says a lot about its depth and complexity and how interesting it might be mm. but the app could be pretty accessible or not accessible at all, and and you wouldn't know. And so I've spent the last year using drafts for some things, and I like it. Um, I've written a bunch of articles in it. There, there. I use one writer mostly when I'm on on the uh, iPad writing, but mm-hmm. one writer has some bugs in the latest version of iOS. The cursor does weird things and goes weird places. And drafts is rock solid. I was able to very slightly modify all of my automation stuff in shortcuts to work with drafts. And the big problem I have with drafts is that it won't let me sort of sync out to a uh, to a text file on Dropbox. You can export, but it's not quite the same as a sync because I do move from Mac to iPad, and I want to be able to write my articles or edit my articles in either place. Uh, so you mean like if you're writing an, an article in drafts, you would maybe want to be open it in BB Edit, but you would need exactly, it to be right. a file in Dropbox. I have drafts on the Mac. I'm not interested in writing in drafts on the Mac. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to write there in BB Edit. I actually have changed my workflow uh, in uh, drafts. I'm now using a shortcut that will save a copy of the current draft to the Dropbox so I can get there. And I also mm-hmm. do have drafts on my Mac and I can open it and then take it out and put it yep. in BB Edit where I want it to be. So I've yep. got some workarounds for that. I wish there was a way f- to say, just sync this with a file provider uh, so I, I can go back and forth. And I get why philosophically that's not something that Drafts wants to do. But as an iOS app on its own, I am I, the great thing about it, having that depth and having those people who believe in it, is anytime I want to do something in Drafts, I can I can do it. Like yeah. there's a way to do it that amazes yep. me, but I'm not used. So I'm not using the depths of it like some people are, but I've been very impressed that whenever I need to try and reach for a tool to do something that I want to do, um, they're available. And like you're setting keyboard shortcuts and like, it's got all of the nice stuff. So I've, I've spent a year with drafts and I'm very impressed with it. So I wanted to mention it. Yeah. I will say the same thing about drafts in the sense that I don't use it very much, but I use it for a few things. And it fills some holes for me with automation that otherwise would be really tricky. And the way that I've been able to get those to work is by purely having the idea 
and searching for it in the drafts action directory and someone's mm-hmm. already done it. Um, yep. This is definitely one of those applications where it's like, if you can think of it, it's been done already. Like if it's right. possible, somebody's done it and you can install one of those actions and get it to work for you. So drafts for me is more of a bridge between things, but a very useful yep. one. Yeah, and and for me, it's it's. I'm I'm also not using it as the way that it's sort of done on the label, but I, I enjoy it. Uh, it. It's very good. I've been very pre- impressed with it. My entire story of writing on iOS is essentially trying to find something that will replicate what I want from uh, a writing app that I get from BB Edit, mm. and there's nothing. There's nothing that does that. There's nothing that does it exactly the way that I want to do it. And I obviously don't use 90% of BB Edit's features either because it's primarily a development tool and I use it as a writing tool. Um, but the, all the, mark, the various markdown editors in, uh, in iOS, none of them quite get it right. Um, a lot of them have scripting involved, which is great. And that's why I use OneWriter and that's why I've used drafts. But the problem is... Uh, <laughs> the downside of having an app that really supports user automation is that sometimes, I'm not saying this always happens, but sometimes the developer says, I don't need to build features for my app because you can build them yourself or sure. get one from a friend in a script. It's like, well, no, no, search and replace should not be a user script, right? It should be a feature of the app. And 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 I can go from there. And that's the problem I see with a lot of these iOS apps that are... Uh, that don't have a lot of functionality. And some of the ones that do, don't do it, just don't work the way I want. Like mm-hmm. uh, Ulysses is a good example where Ulysses is a really great app, but the way that it uh, wants to hide uh, the code from you, especially like hyperlinks, I-, I don't work like that. I don't want my hyperlink text to turn into a block that you have to click on to open to edit as an, an item. I want it to just be text and mm-hmm. Ulysses doesn't want to do that. So I get why, but doesn't work for me so i i my my adventure of attempting to find an ios writing app continues but um but drafts has become uh, i'd say i'm writing in drafts maybe half the time and in one writer half the time sort of go back and forth i get frustrated with one writer i go to drafts um but uh it's given me time with drafts to be impressed about how good it is okay um i have two more i want to mention um one is libby a lot of people don't know about this, especially if you're in the U.S., though. Libby is um, uh, an iPhone app, essentially. Um, I don't even know if you can use it on the iPad. I don't. I only use it on the iPhone. But it is a... Oh, no, it is. It is on the iPad. I will use it occasionally there. It ties into your local library. It's um, part of uh, It's part of the OverDrive, if your library has that. And it lets you... It's great, because uh, this is uh, an app that lets you check out audiobooks from your local library, and they download into the app, and you use it to play the audiobooks Mm -hmm. so you know if your library has audiobooks available you may not even know this you can use this app it's super easy to use this stuff used to be very complicated and now it's very easy so you can check out an audiobook and just and then listen to it and then check it back in without going to the library and it's just on your phone which is presumably where you want to play an audiobook from i also use it it's the best interface that i've found to find what books are available to uh, borrow to use on my kindle from the library and you use the Libby app to find those books and to put wow. them in your wish list or to check them out and send them to your Kindle. And I do that all the time too. So I'm using my local libraries features, uh, some disclaimer, my wife works at my local library, but, and she's the one who turned me on to this thing, but it's great. It's a really nice app. And, and for people to use library services, especially this, t- this year, 
when mm. um, going into libraries is mm, probably not happening. Um, there's so many digital services that are available, and it, this is a great app. It, it legitimately, it's just like it's so it's so convenient to have it uh, on your phone. So Libby, there it is. Very nice. Um, and um, and finally, I want to mention Scriptable, which I spent a lot of time using this year. Scriptable is uh, an app that lets you write and execute JavaScript on iOS. But the killer feature this year, of course, is that Scriptable supports widgets. So you can write your own widget to do whatever and put it on your home screen. And I did that a couple of times. I wrote a weather, I wrote a, a widget for air quality using air sensors, local purple air, air quality sensors during the wildfires here and made that into my first GitHub project. And a bunch of people are using a version of that now, which is awesome. And it sits on my home screen and it tells me what my air quality is. And then I also wrote one just for me that uses all the data from my weather station. On my Mac, I've got it in a menu bar, but on my iPhone and iPad, it's in a little widget that's powered by Scriptable. So um, that's that's pretty incredible to be able to build something that is uh, living on my home screen and is updating regularly. Mm. And I made it myself for me. That uh, That's pretty incredible. And Scriptable lets you do that. So you mentioned widgets. Um, my three nominations for best overall iOS app all have fantastic widgets, and it's how I actually mainly interact with these applications now, either by looking at the widgets on my iPhone and my iPad or tapping the widget to open the application. Uh, so Timery, um, honestly, I think Timery is one of the best iOS apps of all time because it is so well made for its purpose. It has absolutely everything that you need if you want to time track. And it does nothing more, nothing less. And it is perfectly built by someone who, Joe Hirabar, who clearly understands how to do this kind of work. You know, like I, it's very rare that I use an application where I feel like the maker of that application works exactly like me. And Timery is an example, I think, of just a very well-executed, simple application that has powerful features in it if you want to dig through it super good the widgets are fantastic Uh, joe has done just a superb job with charts and stuff so allowing you to see statistics of your time tracking and you can create as many widgets as you want you can arbitrarily change the colors of them to whatever you want Uh, you can label them you can turn certain uh, projects on and off on the widgets so you're just you know so like for example now i have a widget that shows me all of my time track today one that shows me all of my time track this week and one that shows me all of my time track this week just for podcast recording and editing. I like to have that data. It just lives in my today view. I can scroll down and get it whenever I want it. It's just there. It's just superb, absolutely superb. The other one, again, I, actually for me, all three of these, they're like my personal Hall of Fame of applications. Uh, Carrot Weather is the next one. Wow. Um, this is the only nomination from me or you that matches with the upgradians. Um, Carrot Weather is just superb. It's such a great application. It is one of those applications that now I never open because the widgets are just perfect. Like Brian has done something with the widgets and Carrot Weather that's so incredible where the, the widget type that I use, people always ask me which one it was. 
Um, so I'm going to just double check the name of it because I don't want to get it wrong. So like, there's a bunch of different types of widgets that you can use with Carrot. Um, and the one that I use is called the Forecast widget. And it changes throughout the day between a bunch of other types of widgets that the app can give you. So like in the morning, I will get what the weather is for the day. And then later on, I will get the like in the day, I'll get the weather for the next few days because towards right. the end of the day, you just want the weather for the week. And if it's raining, the application, the widget updates to show me how long it's going to rain for. It is an absolutely superb implementation of this feature. And it's just, I'd never need to open carrot weather anymore because the widget is exactly what I need all the time. Fantastic. And then talking about fantastic, fantastic Al is my <laughs> next um, is my next uh, choice. Fantastic Al three gave me the two things that I really desperately wanted from this application. I mean, I've used Fantastic Al since the original. I wanted to have an iPad version that looked like the Mac version, and I wanted the calendar sets from the Mac version on iOS. They added these, they refreshed the design, they added some new features in. Some of these features I use, some I don't use, but I appreciate what they're doing. You know, like they have the ability for you now to like create an event and like with a bunch of options and send it to people, and they can choose what event that they want, and it blocks it all out in your calendar. It's clever stuff, but it's just not a feature that I need. Um, and then you the the overall design polish and then the widgets just superb you know like i have a widget now where i've got a calendar and my kind of next upcoming events it has a little heat map on it which i wasn't sure about at first but i've come to really like the heat map on the widget which shows kind of where my busy and empty times are so yeah absolutely superb update that the app saw this year so fantastical is my third and final nomination for this category uh, which I think this category is going to be tricky now, Jason. So yeah, I think so. Do you, after hearing, so I would say after hearing your nominations, um, I definitely could imagine drafts as the winner here. Personally, um, I don't know if you feel any different from hearing mine. Uh, you you well, you should like Ferrite more. That's number one. <laughs> Okay, so Ferrite, I I really appreciate Ferrite and what it's doing, but I do not use it, mm. right? Um, I imagine a world where I would, but I don't want to take the time to learn a new application until I get the benefit of having it everywhere. So sure. if and when Ferrite makes its way to the Mac, I am then more... I am then going to choose to learn Ferrite where I on the Mac mm. primarily and then use the iPad as a separate thing. For me personally, I couldn't edit a podcast on my iPad with the precision that I want the way that you do because I just don't think ergonomically that would be good for me. Uh, okay. right? Now, I know for you it works and for anybody it that does. does it, it's awesome. This is just a mic problem. Okay. You know? All right. But I love mic Ferrite. Problem. I love Ferrite. Mm-hmm. It is a superb application. Some of the the interfaces, not to my personal tastes, but I appreciate its power. It's a mic problem. A mic problem. Um. Well, the the listeners, the Upgradians, did vote second for Carrot Weather, and you mm-hmm. mentioned Carrot Weather. I also use Carrot Weather, and I like it a lot. Although. I, I don't like it as much as you, and I don't like the widgets as much as you. In fact, I'm using Weatherline just for the widgets because I think they're better than Garrett Weather's widgets. Mm. Um, just the way that the data is presented, I think, is better in Weatherline because it's uh, more readable. 
and shows me the ups and downs of the high temperature, which is exactly what I want. Interesting. Um, okay. And carrots don't do it for me. I, I do like carrots over the, the carrot watch app is also superb. Um, I do have that. But uh, so I, yeah, you're right. This is a difficult one. I think Fantastic Hal is an interesting point. I don't love Fantastic Hal on iOS as much as I do on the Mac. Honestly, I, I I'm much more frustrated by how it works on iOS. Hmm. Um, I don't think it's as good as okay. the Mac version. Um, so uh, I think it's fair we can pause Fantastic Hal, mm-hmm. right? Because I love it everywhere. You love it on the Mac. Maybe we'll talk yeah. about it later. So Maybe. we can knock Fantastic Hal out. I'm going to understand that Timery is not going to win this, right? So, like, I know yeah. that, but it's it's important to me. But it is an application that you need to use to understand it. Um, sure. Timery is a previous why? winner. It won. Uh, y- you gave me the ability to give it the oh. newcomer iOS app last year. Oh, um, so so this is interesting. So an app that I don't use, I I checked off the box. Mm-hmm. So there's a precedent for that. I, mm-hmm. I let the app that you love so much. There's a lot of precedent of this win. where me and you bargain <laughs> for things that we really it's care true. about. That is, this is not new. It's true. So, like, look, uh, what I'm saying is, so I think the winner of this category needs to come from me and you because I don't use Apollo. I don't know if you use Apollo. I don't no. like well, I Apollo. have it. I have used it. I, I find I it too fiddly. <laughs> My my problem is more with Reddit than Apollo. Honestly. That makes sense. I find that makes sense. Apollo makes Reddit more usable for me, but my problem is Reddit. And if I personally, if I was leaning towards one of yours, I would lean towards drafts because I am aware of the amount of effort that has been put into an application over the last couple of years, and I think that it deserves the recognition for that. All right. Well, my fav- my my favorite is is Fairlight. Mm-hmm. What do I, what do I have to do to get you to pick Fairlight as the best overall iOS app? Well, I mean, I could just put one in my pocket for later on. So I'll I'll give you Fairlight, but dangerous. Did you see this is the, this is it, people. We're in the horse trading. You're in the room with us now. This is the beauty of the upgrades. Uh, and you don't like books, so Libby's out. <laughs> it's a very interesting thing, but like I even struggle to just understand how renting books from a library works if you're not in the library we don't need to get into this conversation today um so here's my thing i think we are deciding for the winner and the nomin and then and the runners-up between carrot drafts and ferrite that's where Uh we are so we just need to decide which one of those three is going to win it yeah um i cannot imagine the fact that ferrite has never won an upgrade is that right it's never won Ferrite has never won. No, Fer- no, Ferrite has never won an upgrade. Oh, How actually, wrong, wrong, wrong. Twenty fifteen, it won newcomer? best newcomer. Okay, all right. Well, then, then I'm gonna say let's give it to drafts. Let's I think do it. It's worth it. I think it's. Yeah. I think it is a worthy winner. So we're gonna say that the winner of the best overall iOS app for 2020 is drafts, with the runners up being Carrot Weather and Ferrite. Sorry, Mr. Carrot. Sorry, Brian Carrot close so close can i make a confession about carrot weather one of the things i don't like about it is the thing that made its name which is the snarky forecast i don't like them no i think that's fine unpleasant i turn them off immediately yeah i honestly i i know people like it but um i think it wouldn't be a bad idea to move (laughs) away from that Mm -hmm. well i think and i think i think perhaps it's getting de-emphasized over time but i get it 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 really did make people pay attention to it and it got and that's what you want that's the name of the game 
Um, but it actually prevented me from using it for a long time because although the functionality was great, I, I thought... I think some people don't take it seriously. Yeah. It. Anyway, it's a great app. I think it would be a shame to get rid of it because it's where the the kind of like the, the app sure. whole thing comes from. But I think having it turned off by default might be the right option going into the future. Well, but who are we to tell Brian exactly. Carrot what to do? He Brian Carrot has had a very himself. successful career, so he, I'm yes, sure that he can Brian do what he wants. It. It's a great app, regardless. It's just too popular. Also, why has Toggle not bought Timery? Why has that not happened? What is wrong with them? I don't know. I don't. I don't think I want it to happen because I don't trust their right. application development team because they do not do a good job, in my opinion, with any of their apps. You know, if they wanted to buy uh, Timery and let Joe continue doing Joe's great work, that would be great. But uh, otherwise, I want it to live forever. All right, so let's move into our second category. I don't think wow. we're all going to take this long, but that one that one was surprising. Uh, best newcomer iOS app. The Upgradians voted with 3.3% for Hey from Basecamp. 4.5% okay. is Rita5 from Silvia Rizzi. And at the second largest percentage of the evening, 38.5% for Widget Smith from David Smith. What are your votes? Um, I nominate a few here. So NetNewsWire got revived this year, mm -hmm. a new open source version from Brent Simmons and the Open Source Project. Mm -hmm. um, NetNewsWire 5, it's really good. I use it every day. I wasn't using RSS <laughs> until NetNewsWire 5 came out, and I now use RSS on my iPad every day. So... Uh, I'm going to throw that in there. It's, it is new. It is net newswire, which has been around forever and yet new. Um, I want to mention an app called long play, which mm -hmm. looks at your Apple music library and shows the albums in it. And the idea there is it's a way to visual Steve jobs would have loved it. Let's just put it that way. It's like lots of album covers. You can sort them in different ways by recent or by most plays or by things that you've, you've not listened to in a while. And then you tap on the album cover and it plays that album straight through uh, using the music app, or I think you can, I don't think you can do Spotify because I don't think it has the APIs for it, but using the music app, it basically will play that album. So it's like a single album browsing and play interface. I think mm -hmm. it's really clever. I like it a lot. Uh, Widget Smith. Yeah. Right. Like, like the 39% of Upgradians. Yeah, absolutely. I would just like to um, correct myself, Jason. It's actually the third largest. Um, okay. There was, late, every, there was a late that, entry. A tradition like no other, Mike, is mm -hmm. you trying to compare uh, vote totals and then having to correct it. I think that yes. happens every year, too. Yes, there's a law. <laughs> it warms my heart. I think <laughs> that does happen every year. And I I'll throw in the Fitness Plus app, actually, the Apple mm -hmm. Fitness app with Fitness Plus, because I think that some of the stuff that they d they have done with that service, which doesn't really have a category, and the, uh, and the live data from your Apple Watch streaming to your iPad uh, is pretty clever. So those are the four that I wanted to mention. I have one and it's Widget Smith. Yeah. It's, there's so much to it, right? Like, there's the whole story and the fact that yeah. David Smith is a personal friend of both of ours. And that would be fine. You know, like, Widget Smith probably would have always made it into this category for me anyway, because I love David's apps and David does a great job. And I was using Widget Smith through the beta period, it was powering some widgets that I had on my home screen. But then Widget Smith became the most popular app in the world for a couple of months. And so 
you know, like just the, the the fact that the the story and then what David has done with it since and how much better that application has become at doing the things that people want it to do, I think is actually kind of astounding. Like that over the time that Widgetsmith has been available, I continue to add more and more widgets to my home screens based on the new types of widgets or the new types of themes that David is creating. And this isn't just a case of like, I want to keep supporting my friend. Like I'm now, like I have a little countdown timer on my home screen until New Year's and stuff like that now. And it's like all this like really just beautiful design for the themes that David has been working on. Like I just think that it is, it is an astounding app that caught lightning in a bottle. And then in true underscore fashion, he has capitalized on it and has just made it the best possible version of itself that it can be. I think it's astounding. Yeah, well, so here's the funny thing. Um, if this was like a six colors piece where I was picking my favorites, Net Newswire wins because Net Newswire changed how I consume information on my iPad in the morning. Like it's great i'm so glad to see that it's back if you haven't tried it give it a try it's free open source project and they're doing a great job can i ask yeah what is it about net newswire compared to say like i use reader and what do you find from net newswire that makes it just so good for you part of it is just that it seems to work the way i want it to work i think maybe part of it is that it is uh, because of Brent's long history with RSS, it is a. I found a lot of RSS readers to be very featurey, <laughs> and in not, in a way, it's sort of like our previous conversation. In a way that I'm sure they have lots of users who really want all of these features, and I don't. And what Net Newswire is to me is simple, and does all that I want it to do, mm-hmm. and nothing else. Okay, it doesn't have. If it does have a reading list or you know stuff like that, I don't know because I don't use those features. Mm-hmm. I just kind of want to have some subscriptions and uh, and a readable area and be able to tap through to view it in a web view. And like it does exactly what I want. And after bouncing off of lots of RSS readers, this simple new net newswire, I didn't bounce off of. Okay. I mean, that's sort of how I have to put it is I, I have tried over the years. Have I tried the latest version of all of the RSS readers? No, I haven't. But over the years, I've tried lots of RSS readers on Mac and iOS and none of them have stuck. So that's why. But in this case, since this is not my picks, but a collaborative process, this is what separates us, by the way, from um, whatever happens on Connected your other podcast where it's like a blood sport mm-hmm. here. We are gentlemen as with our drafts, gentlemanly, mm-hmm. a collaborative process. War- Widget Smith was on my list. It was your list and it was number one on the upgradings list. So of course, Widget Smith is the winner. And it is a worthy winner. Like just, you know, I just want to say it again, like I'm obviously keen to award my friends. Sure. But I think it being the most popular app in the world kind of negates that. Right? This like, is not a popularity contest for the world. It's a popularity co- contest with Upgradians and you and me. But no. it's still one, though. So there you go. So what are we going to... I say we pick NetNewsWire 5 as one yes. of the runners up. And would we pick another one? Um, I want to put Longplay on the list because cool. that's, that's just a fun it's so rare. App. 
it's so rare that I see a new iOS app and I'm like, oh, this is delightful. Like the platform's been around so long now that a lot of times you're like, oh, it's another one of these or it's another take on this. Yeah. And I'm sure there have been apps that have done this in the past, but like this one really stuck with me as an enjoyable way to kind of float things back to the top of my music library. Didn't even I'd never heard of this application before or it hadn't stuck in my mind. And it sounds like a really fun little idea. Yeah. So we move into the best overall Mac app. The category, uh, one of the two categories that we created the Upgradians voting for because we would struggle with these. Yes. Um, and here we go again, 4.2% things from Culture Code, which, funnily enough, the exact same percentage of the vote that it got for the iOS category. Mm-hmm. Just found that funny. 5.4% Safari <laughs> from Apple. Sure. And 6.2% Fantastic Gal from Flexibits. Mm, some familiar names there. Mm-hmm. I have a bunch of nominees in this category, and this is you mentioned we turned this over over to the Upgradians. Let's just say that the last five years, especially, oh, kind of rough for the Mac, right? Mm-hmm. Dark period there, not a lot going on. Things have picked up a little bit. I'm encouraged. Things are things are picking up. So I've got some apps I want to name that I've used on the Mac in the, the past year that I think are great. Because again, this is one of those categories where, like, literally, I should just put. BB Edit in my personal Hall of Fame. It's the app I use the most on the Mac. I love it. It's great. It keeps getting better. It's amazing. I know I'm sounding like one of those people <laughs> that turn me away from apps because they're, they rave about them. It's like, no, no, I, it's too deep. I can't go there. But I'm not going to ma- mention BB Edit because, I don't know, it's like the air we breathe. Um, I want to mention Descript, which is the podcast editing app that lets you edit... <laughs> By editing a transcript of what people said, yep, and it turns it into edited audio. This, when it was first announced a few years ago, I I was like, that's interesting, but I don't believe that it would work. And I tried it out, and it was okay, but not great. And the transcript quality isn't great because, you know, machine-based speech-to-text is not, it's still not great. You can pay extra to get a good transcript, or you can be cheap and get a bad transcript and I, i'm cheap so i have a bad transcript but i came i came back to it because when i was planning on using the uh building the 20 max for 2020 podcast project with lots of interviews i thought how in the world am i going to do this and i started to think i'm going to need to get like a transcript with time code and then like h- highlight the stuff that i want to take out and i started to do that and i thought this is ridiculous and then have somebody cut out all those bits and put them in and i thought wait a second isn't there an app that does this And I started using Descript and I use it for every episode of 20 Max for 2020. Couldn't have done it without it. It is kind of magical. It's not perfect. It's got some issues. I wish it was better in a few ways, but it was a lifesaver for me. And I cannot believe how good it is at what it does. It seems like something that would be impossible. It needs some cleanup. And their editor, they've got an inline editor, and it's not great. And it doesn't handle conversations very well in terms of like visualizing them. It's a lot of steps to kind of trim. So what I ended up doing was exporting the final piece out into Logic, where I felt like I had a, a more capable editing system. Mm-hmm. But... I could not have done those podcasts without this app. And it, it really is for anybody who is editing audio that fits within what Descript is good at. Um, it's amazing. I think Merlin uses it for Roderick on the line. He does. Mer- Merlin also uses it for lots of stuff. You know, like you, yeah. you see him making clips from shows and stuff out of it. Well, it's very clever. Sure. And it can create things that you can share. 
Um, I, you know, I want to echo that I've used Descript for a couple of things. Um, one, one thing of mine was it was an episode of a show, and I was I had that feeling like, oh, I don't, I think there was a curse word that I didn't cut, and Descript <laughs> allowed me to search for it. I had cut it, but otherwise it would have been a two-hour process of re-listening to the show again, sure. right? Um, and I think it's very powerful. I think the stuff that you've been doing with it for twenty max for twenty twenty is great. What I don't like about it uh, is the thought that people have, I think also the thought that they try and put out into the world from their marketing of like, this is all you need to edit a podcast. And I do not agree with that because yeah. things like removing ums and removing ahs and stuff like that, just removing them with a machine, uh, I guarantee it's going to sound weird in places. Yeah. It requires finessing. It's good that it, that feature is great. Yep. <laughs> and I use that feature. But... That I think you're right, which is um, the challenge that they've got moving forward, and I think they know it at, at Descript, is they're not great as an audio editor. And I look at it and think, well, I know Logic and I have Logic, so why would I ever use their audio editor? Because it's just not that good. I, I see, you know, in the long run, they need to, they can't say our product is stage one of a multi-stage process that leads to a different product that we don't make, right? They can't yep. do that. So they're just going to have to get better at building their audio editor and other workflows to smooth all, out all that audio. Because that's, I mean, when if you listen to 20 Max for 2020 and you heard me say Brian Hamilton provided post-production help, I basically handed the, my logic files to Brian and, and Brian went through every single dialogue edit and smoothed mm -hmm. them all out. Because they're not good enough. Like that's the downside of Descript is that you you need to do extra work. It, it while amazing and and really magical, it's not up. You know, it's not really up to my standards. Um, out right straight out of the app. You got to do extra work, and you yep. can do some of that work in the app, but it's not very good. Or you can take it to another app. Still though, magical. Use it all year. Yep. Great. Um. Final Cut Pro, I'm going to put on the list because I made 20, 20 Max for 2020 videos as well. And I do all the Total Party Kill videos and stuff like that. And I just want to, it's not new, but it's amazing. And on the M1 Max, it's even more amazing. <laughs> um, the It's so easy for me to build video projects that look exactly like I want. And, you know, although professionals have famously complained about the Final Cut Pro 10 interface since the day it started, um, I love it. It works. It's it's understandable to me, and in fact, there are aspects of it that I wish um, other apps would pick up because mm -hmm. I occasionally am in a different app and I think, why is it not doing this? There are problems with it. It's, it's audio support is terrible. It's shameful that you can't apply like a master compressor to a to a project and stuff like that. It's bizarre, but um, it, it's great. So Final Cut Pro on my list. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to mention Pixelmator Pro 2, new version this year. Um, they're doing wacky machine learning stuff. Um, really great app uh, for photo and image editing. Um, they they just, yeah, they're, they're right on the forefront of trying to push machine learning stuff, not just into iOS, but into the Mac. So I want to mm -hmm. mention Pixelmator. Um, I'm going to throw Audio Hijack in again. Also not a, not a Hall of Famer yet, right, Mike? Not a Correct. Hall of Famer yet. No. Um, it would be my if favorite. it won this time. It's one, two yeah, times. I, I just, I don't know what to say. I have to mention it every time because I, Catalina, so two reasons. One is Catalina really broke audio apps 
and the rogue amoeba apps specifically catalina made a bunch of changes completely broke them uh so part one i spent all summer after i moved to catalina to write about it having to use a different computer to record podcasts because i need audio hijack i have Mm -hmm. to use it um and it made me understand how much (laughs) i appreciate it part two they also spent all summer working with Apple to get it running again after Apple basically broke it with the changes it made to Catalina. And they got it out the day that, that or not Catalina, Big Sur. Uh, they got it out the day that Big Sur came out, <laughs> which is amazing. And then it took a little bit of time to get it working on M1, but now I, I believe it's working there now too. So although there's it's not new it is kind of new it is kind of the story that i missed it because of big sur and i appreciate the work they did to get it to work on big sur because um it was not easy working with the new security restrictions in big sur yeah and then finally i already mentioned it before for ios i prefer the fantastical version on the mac um i think it's i think it's much better than the ios version i love it and that's what I use. And you know me, uh, a, lot, a lot of my scheduling, a lot of my planning, a yep. lot of my to-dos are in a calendar. And it's fantastic, Al. So that's my uh, long list of potential winners in this category. Yeah, I have two. We spoke about them already. Uh, fantastic, Al 3 and Audio Hijack would be my two here. So I think we have something interesting. Uh, we've fantastic, Al is on all of our lists. Um, Audio Hijack is on both of our lists. Uh, Putting Audio Hijack in this year would lock it up for Lifetime Achievement. Mm -hmm. It's not a reason to do it, but it's an interesting one. Um, But, you know, Fantastic How 3 is really, really good. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and and, uh, people were mad about it. Remember that? Yeah, but yeah, I know. People are <laughs> unhappy that they moved to subscription. Maybe I'm going to upset those people uh, here. But the, the, I actually think that the way that they handled the move to subscription was fair. Um, they messed up some things. That there were some issues with the, the, the actual transition, which upset people, which I understood. There were some bugs in the way that they did it. But my understanding is, by and large, they kind of locked the features and if you wanted new features you'd have to pay but all your old features were um were kept in place now i will say that was the messaging that they spoke about if there is asterisks to that then fine um i am a paying subscriber um and i'm very happy with it um, and honestly as well you know i paid for that application however many years before uh, Fantastical is one of those types of apps that like you kind of want to be around forever if you use it all the time. I have no problem in paying for it. I have no problem in supporting the development for the application. Um, I'm more than happy to pay for these kinds of tools. So, you know, maybe I'm the wrong quote unquote wrong audience to find that kind of stuff uh, bad. But no, I actually think that it's good for the application because what you know, I I talk about this kind of stuff a lot. Like, what is the business model? Well, the business model is they need to continue to make money to make the application. I want the application to stay around. I'm happy to pay them. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I agree. I I think there were some rollout issues and there were some bugs and it led mm-hmm. to some misunderstandings and there were features that were fundamental features that that 
were marked as not being available, but they that were there was some confusion there. So I mean, they they were trying. Yeah, that, that's that's my feeling is they tried really hard to get that to get it right. Yep. Um, while still also doing what was right for their business, and they didn't necessarily execute a hundred percent. But I think most of the criticism was not coming from uh, the people who were dealing with the the shakiness of of some parts of the rollout. I think it was mm-hmm. from people who were offended that they had to pay for for software. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I mean, it seems weird to me to say that the best overall Mac app this year was a calendar. <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, what do you think? So Audio Hijack is fantastic, right? I love it. I use it every day. But they didn't do anything new this year. No, they just, well, I mean, it's best overall, so it isn't, you know. Maybe, when did they add the the broadcast block? That wasn't this year, was it? That was when you had your, uh, when you had your bachelor party, so that was a while ago. Oh, yeah. It was literally yeah. at your bachelor party when the beta came in. Yeah, we, that we, we spoke about it on the sofa. Yes. Well, my, my argument is that I missed it when they broke it, and that I'm impressed that they got it unbroken, given yeah. what Apple did to, to Big Sur. Which is great, like... Like, look, you know, I'm I'm not saying that you always have to continue to add new features for software to be good because maybe Audio Hijack is feature complete. I personally don't think it is. I think that there yeah, is I still stuff that they can do with it. Yeah. The point that I'm making with that is like Fantastico had a major new version this year, which changed a bunch of the stuff about the app. I think that they made a bunch of the st- app features of the application better and nicer to use. Yeah. And so I would say that again, it, this it would be better that way. It's on my list. It's on your list. And it was number one in the hearts of the Upgradians. Yep. So let's do it. Fantastical 3 is the winner of the best Mac app for this year. Uh, I think it's easy to put Audio Hijack in as a runner-up. Um, do you have another runner-up that you feel particularly should be here? I would like to put Pixelmator in here, personally. Mm, well, that was not going to be my choice. Okay, what would yours be? No, let's do it. Let's do it. I was going to okay. put Descript in there, but again, I'm also cognizant of the fact that two podcasters giving out awards give a lot of awards to podcast and audio tools, and that's maybe overdone. So let's do I that. I think that what Pixelmator have done with Pixelmator Pro and continue to do uh, is technically very impressive, and they're doing stuff that's, that's truly new, so I think that it deserves some kind of recognition. So the final software pick, uh, well, the final app pick, we have games coming on later on, is the best newcomer Mac app. This is a category that was interesting. Definitely a lot of uh, new Mac apps this year, um, but not as many as I thought there was going to be. Um, so we have at 6.4% of the nominations from the Upgradients is Craft from Lukey Labs. Craft is the note-taking application that's been become quite popular this year. 9.8% of the vote is Overcast from Marco Arment. So Overcast, previous Lifetime Achievement Award winner uh, in the iOS category, is now finding itself in the Mac category because of the M1 Macs. And 13% of the vote is Nova from Panic. What have you got? Um, So many... Again, again, I think I'm feeling better about the Mac than I have in a while. I'm going to mention NetNewsWire 5 again. It's brand new. Uh, I'm going to mention SwiftBar, which is the replacement for BitBar that puts information up in your menu bar. I love it. I love BitBar. It sort of trailed off in development. SwiftBar is a new version of it that adds some nice new features. Um, messages on Big Sur. It's great. We got we got features in messages. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, Pixelmator Pro 
two, although there are a bunch of great Pixelmator Pro updates in the one range that also came out this year that I would throw in there, including their uh, support for AppleScript. Yes, indeed, in 2020, a major Mac app added support for AppleScript. It's true. True story. Uh, Fantastical 3 could technically be in this category, although we already gave it an award. Uh, I want to mention Service Station, which is this great little utility that lets you... Um, it's for me, basically. Okay. Uh, it lets you attach uh, scripts into the right-click menu in the Finder and a script or apps and assign them based on file type. And so like, if I right-click on a an image on the desktop, one of the items in the list is open in Photoshop, which is almost always what I want to do. But there's also mm. like an upload to six colors and it's right at the top level, not in a sub-menu. And that, that will kick off a script that will upload it to six colors. And oh, it's just a this. nice little, little Mac utility that lets you customize all sorts of stuff that happens when you yeah. right-click on a file in the Ooh, Finder. I like it. That's fun. And it's in the App Store, too. Because when I hear yep. about apps like this, I get a little bit concerned, right? Like if they're doing something weird. But I always feel better when I see that they're in the Mac App Store. Yeah. And so I use that's what I use now for all of my like weird automations. But I also use it for a bunch of quick launches. Like the Photoshop one's a great example where mm -hmm. I've just assigned to a bunch of image types. Like put, just put open in Photoshop at the top level because I do that so often. And a lot of, you know, JPEGs are going to open in preview if I double click them. And I don't want to change that association. There's... It's complicated. Yeah, anyway. like I could imagine with PDFs. Like I don't want to yeah. open every PDF in PDF Pen, but I do frequently. Yeah. And going yeah. to right-click, open with, that's annoying. So, yeah, yeah okay. Exactly. Mm, that's Saves you a little I like step. That. I want to mention Bartender 4. Bartender, a long-time stand, long-standing Mac utility that lets you simplify your Mac's menu bar. I already said I put a lot of things using SwiftBar up in my menu bar, but there's too many things up there. And Bartender lets you or organize them and hide them, hide a bunch of them. Bartender 4, like Audio Hijack, had to be re you know basically rewritten yep. for Big Sur. And it's different, but it still does everything that I wanted it to do. And uh, I love a long-standing Mac utility getting up to speed, and Bartender 4 did that. Um, and I will mention uh, Nova as well, which people mentioned. This is this is basically the new version of what was Coda. Mm -hmm. Panic sold the name Coda to a startup <laughs> and changed their Coda to Code Editor, and now they, it's got a name for the new version, which is Nova. I have it. I bought it. It's very impressive, especially if you do web development. Um, I was using it for some of my web stuff too. Um, it's just such a good Mac app, and it's so rare to get these. It's so nice to see these big, professional, focused on the Mac apps. Um, and although this is you know, kind of a legacy of Coda, it's also technically a new app. So that's a lot of new Mac apps. So I would say for me, if if you take everything you said about NetNewsWire 5 and I'll apply it to Reader 5, um, mm -hmm. I absolutely love Reader. Like the design of it is just works so well for me. It's a beautifully designed application. And I use it on iOS a lot, but I also use it on Mac a lot. Um, I like that there's parity between the applications on each on each um, of the platforms, but they have different features in places where it makes the most sense. Like, for example, the share menu isn't that good on the Mac as it is on iOS, right, of extensions and all that kind of stuff. So the developer, Sylvia, put in some uh, actions that you can perform just in, like, the toolbar of the application. So, like, one of mine, the main thing that I do is I take articles and save them to Apple Notes so I can refer to them later, right, when I'm sitting down to do my show prep. 
And on Reader on the Mac, there's just a little icon that I can press with the Notes icon on it, and I click it, and it's going to save it to Notes. It's stuff like that. But just overall, the polish and the design of this application is just fantastic. I, I absolutely love it. I think it's beautifully designed and is truly excellent on all platforms. And I wanted to put it in here, the Mac. I would also like to give um, a nod to two of yours. So Messages, which is great, but I don't want to give it the win here, but I love Messages on the Mac. Uh, the reason I don't want to give it a win is because we're only saying this because Apple let messages get so bad. Like, nothing is great about the new Messages app except for the fact that it finally exists, yep. right? No, you're right. It's the classic thing of, like, if Apple does a bad job for a long time and then finally does a good job or its job, is that award-worthy? <laughs> no, it is not. Probably not. Probably. Uh, but, you know, like, Messages is notable because it's a Catalyst app, and I yep. don't think anybody notices it. People will tell you that they notice it, and maybe they do. Some people are much more particular, many of my friends. But I don't even, I don't even know, right? It's like it's a Mac app to me. Like, I don't see how it could be any different. Uh, but I wanted to mention Bartender 4 as well because Bartender 4, you could see they had to start again, but I actually prefer the way it works. Right, where you, you like hover over and it expands. Yeah. And I think they've done a really good job. And from going back to the beginning of an application, starting again, I actually think they've rebuilt it to a better place than the previous versions of Bartender. So I would tip my hat to them because I think that was an incredible achievement that they achieved, the Bartender 4 team. So. Oh, what are we going to do? Well, do okay, so we can both agree on Bartender. Yep. But, but you and the Upgradians can agree on Nova. Yeah. Nova's not for me, right? Like Sure. It's barely for you. It's not really you. for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's barely for me, exactly right. But it's so it's so impressive with what it does and that it's a, a an actual Mac app. I love how many options there are, but there aren't as many options as there should be because there should be more iOS apps in this category. Um we're going to talk about we'll that. We'll get later to that. <laughs> I think for their service to the Mac and for the fact that this app is uh is so impressive, uh uh, we should give it to to Panic. Yeah, for Nova. Nova. I, I I really like the idea of giving Panic an award because they are very very good at what they do, and, and I think award worthy. Um, let's put Bartender Four in as a as a runner up. And what do you want to put any other runners up in here? I mean, I would put Messages in as a runner up. Um, why don't we put? Uh, since you liked how, how I described it, well, let's put Service Station in there just as a little, you know. Quirky, you know what? I little, agree with that. That's a great idea because I've got I've left the tab open in Safari for that because there I'm going to be checking it out after the show today. So that concludes the app portion of the show. I think probably the highest contested set of categories, but we still have many more to come. So who knows? This episode is also brought to you by our friends over at. SaneBox. I really love SaneBox because it helps get my email under control. Email is can be, for so many of us, a huge time waster at work. You can spend so much time tending to your inbox that actually a lot of the time becomes like half of your job. There have been studies that have been found to say this, right? Like people know that what they're doing is spending time in email. And that isn't necessarily a bad thing, except for the fact that we all know that we get so much more email than we need. We get emails that don't need answers. We get emails that really should never have come to us in the first place. You know, you can kind of get that like gray area between like what is spam and what is meant for you. There's that whole area in the middle. Where it's like, I don't need this email, but it's not spam. 
This is the kind of email that Sandbox can really help you get under control. It automatically gets these emails filtered for you, so you just see the messages that need your focus. You don't have to switch email apps because it works in whichever way uh, you like to do email, whichever client you use, whichever service you use. It has some fantastic features like the same black hole feature, which is something that I use a lot. I get myself on these mailing lists that aren't real mailing lists. It's people telling me how much someone should be on my podcast that they've never listened to. And I can't get rid of them because it's not like something I can unsubscribe to, but these people keep emailing me. But if I drag their email into the same black hole folder, I never hear from that person again because Sandbox filters it out before it ever arrives in my inbox. Super excellent stuff. I also use Sane Later, which is that's where uh, Sanebox analyzes my email and the things that it thinks that I don't need go into the Sane Later folder. But as soon as I do something with them, it will move them to where I need it to be. And also Sane News, which collects up all of my email newsletters. But there's so many types of filters that Sanebox can apply for you. It's really, really awesome. Go and see today how Sanebox can magically remove distractions from your email inbox with a free two-week trial. Go to sanebox.com slash upgrade FM today to start your free trial and get a 20 credit. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash upgrade FM. Our thanks to Sanebox for their support of this show and Relay FM. Game of the year time from the Upgradians. 7% of the vote goes to Among Us from Inner Sloth, which is probably one of, if not the most popular games in the world this year. 7.1% goes to The Last of Us Part 2 from Naughty Dog, which is a PlayStation 5 game. And 18.3% is Animal Crossing New Horizons from Nintendo. I usually let you get what you want in this Mm -hmm. category. Mm -hmm. And so it will be this time. Mm -hmm. I will mention three games that I really enjoyed this okay. year, two of which are iOS games, so I'll mention them again. In a yeah, I mean, there is, we do have an entire category for iOS yes. Game of the Year. You are performing the sin that many of our uh, Upgradians performed this year. I, I don't know why we need to put iOS games in the Game of the Year category when yeah. we have an iOS Game of the Year category, well, but nevertheless... The, let me not, so let me not speak of them then. I, I yeah. will not speak of them now. I will speak of them in like two minutes, but exactly. I will say the game that I, I played all the way through and dearly loved this year, and it's not a new game, but it was the game of the year for me, not on an iOS device. And that was something called Astrobot Rescue Mission, recommended to me by James Thompson. I played it on the PSVR, and it was delightful. It was so good as a v- virtual reality platformer where you, you control a little robot. And you stand there and watch the robot. And a platformer in, controlling a remote character in a platformer is what Mm -hmm. all platformers are doing it in a 3d world where you're standing inside of it and having to look and be like, can I jump from there to there? How far away is that? It was great. It's such a great game. And now anybody who bought a PS five, I think it comes with this Astrobot game. No, it's a different one. It's in the, it's called Astro's playroom. No, no, no. That's what I, that's what I meant. This Astrobot. Not this game. This Astrobot has a game. Oh in that. yes, this is this is uh, Sony's new like character. Yeah. So there's a there's a new yeah. Astrobot adventure. If you get a PlayStation Five, mm-hmm. it's this guy. It, it, it's adorable. This little robot, so cute. And the VR experience for a for a first VR game that I'd ever played, mm-hmm. um, just breathtaking. So funny to see 
how you translate a traditional, originally 2D platformer into a virtual world. Oh, so good. Played the whole thing all the way through. And you know me, Mike, I don't do that with games. <laughs> I don't play them all the way. Yeah. I don't invest hours and hours in console video games. It doesn't mm-hmm. happen. I played Astrobot all the way through. Loved it's it. It's a super great game. It is a 2018 release, but that doesn't matter. But It, it doesn't is. matter for me. It's my game of the year. Exactly, and that's perfectly fine because it is fantastic. And and the reason that Astro's Playroom exists is because Astrobot Rescue Missions is so good and people loved it so much. Um, like Sony understand that they have a fun little character here and they keep doing really yeah. fun things with it. I think this is the third game they've had Astro uh, in. I think so. Um, and Astro's Playroom, if you get a PlayStation 5 at any point in the future, Jason, I don't know if that's the thing that's entered the Snow household yet or in is planning to um you're gonna love astro's playroom my friend like if you like yep. astro about rescue missions just gotta, just gotta find a uh find a ps5 yeah, good that's luck. the problem my my son what for christmas got a uh open up one of his presents it's a piece of paper with a picture of a ps5 on it saying oh. you will get a ps5 that's oh, so sad <laughs> i feel for him i really do i, I really feel uh. for him i know how hard that's been for a lot of people again i think we're going to talk about that later on in the episode too mm-hmm. um my game of the year is animal crossing new horizons it's yep. well you know it's not it's, it's like, the game of the year in many ways, isn't it's, it? It's difficult in the sense, like, to, to actually, the way that, that I try and describe Animal Crossing as the game of the year, it's, the emphasis is different. It's like the game of the year in a way that games aren't typically game of yep, exactly a time. Right. No, right? It, it's emblematic of this year. It came out just as lockdowns were happening around the world. So people stayed back and played cooperatively. Mm-hmm. It is a game that is continued to be played in my household. It came out in March. <laughs> we play it every day. Uh, it's beautiful. It's fantastic. I Animal Crossing New Horizons would have been one of my picks of game of the year, regardless of the pandemic, because I love the series and have done for years. And it is a vastly improved version of Animal Crossing to the games that it has preceded. Um, it is not without fault, but that's Nintendo always. Nintendo always have faults, and honestly, it's part of their weird charm that their games are never really perfect. Because even like the best Nintendo game, in my opinion, ever made, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, is also not a perfect game, because it has basically no story, which is really weird. Uh, but Animal Crossing New Horizons is a phenomenon, it's been a phenomenon, is one of those rare games that has broken out into popular culture and people are buying Switches to play it. And Nintendo has done a very, very good job over the year of adding in new stuff to keep you coming back to it. So I would desperately love to give Animal Crossing the upgrade Uh So it shall be. Thank you very much. Uh, what are we going to go with runner-ups? Um, I think I we're going to give one to Among Us. Because it is so prevalent. Sure, it's also an iOS game, but y- you know it is on other platforms. I get it, but it's also an iOS game. You it could... is primarily not an iOS game, though. Mm-hmm. It has an iOS version, um, and but like the game in the way it's popular is like played on PC. But lots of people play it on iOS too. It being cross-platform, I don't think means that it should be not be in this category, in my opinion. Okay, then fine. It's your category. Let's put Astrobot into Jason. Sure, why not? Make me feel good. Great. Look, it's a great game. I'm not going to lie. It's a fantastic fantastic VR experience, and I love VR experiences. 
iOS Game of the Year time, the Upgradians voted thusly. At 3.3%, The Last Campfire by Hello Games. At 19.6%, Among Us from Inner Sloth. And at 22.1%, Good Sudoku by Zach Gage and Jack Slashinger. You had a bunch of games that got brought from your Game of the Year yes. category into your iOS Game of the Year category. So what are they? Yeah. So here are my three nominees for iOS Game of the Year. Good Sudoku. I didn't play Sudoku mm-hmm. before this game. This game professes to teach you how to play it. I know how to play Sudoku now. How about that? It did it. I'm pretty good. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty good. I'm not great. The pu- The puzzles, the hard puzzles are really hard. The highest level puzzles I need hints for. But um, it taught me this game and it's a lot of fun and of course beautifully uh, designed. Uh, I, I like that game a lot. I wanted to nominate Round Guard, which is an Apple Arcade game. We talked about it here. It's a roguelike where you're like a pinball, but it's a person and you've got different things you equip because it's a roguelike every time. Roguelike and Peggle. Basically. Roguelike Peggle, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really good. My only hesitation here is that I played it a lot and then they did an update where they added all of these other um, gameplay elements and I just stopped playing it because yep. I was getting close to doing everything I needed to do mm-hmm. using the gameplay elements that I knew. Mm-hmm. And I felt like they swept the rug out from under me. Yeah. And rather than having it be like, once you're done with this, you can turn on this feature or add this new thing in. They just changed the game. And I literally have not played it since then. Mm. Okay. So I don't know what that says about how uh, game updates should work, but it really turned me off, but I, I had enjoyed it up to then. It was a, uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, fit, as I said in the episode when we talked about it, it fit with the way that I want to play a lot of games, which is I want to be able to sit down and feel like I played a complete sort of session and have it be relatively short. And if I have a little more time, I can play another session of it right then. Mm-hmm. But what I don't want to do is feel like I'm making an enormous commitment. Um, and Round Guard was good for that. Yep. And then speaking of that, uh, a similar thing, um, Two Spies. Two Spies is... That is my favorite iOS game of the year. Okay. It is uh, a turn-based spy versus spy program. They just got an update to do season one. It's a, it's like a, almost like a board game. It's a strategy game. But if you've got iOS devices in your house, you know, you play against someone else. They're on their device. You're on your device. You're kind of sneaking around Europe trying to find the location of the other spy and assassinate them before you are assassinated um it's uh it's really good and you may know the developer because alan pike from steam clock software Mm -hmm. is it's it's uh i think it's his baby or at least he is one of the parents of two spies it's really good and a lot of fun and i had enjoyed playing that with the computer opponents and in my house uh against my wife where we try to assassinate each other on two spies how nice uh Okay, so I'm going to bring the mood down a little bit. Um, I have realized in creating the upgrade, my nominations for the Upgradies that one of the side effects of 2020, for reasons I have no idea why, is I haven't really played any iOS games this year, Jason. Hmm. I don't know why. Like Too two spies, much time in Animal Crossing. I, I don't even think it's that, because, I mean, it, it would have been that case between like March and May, but Animal Crossing now, for me, is at most 10 minutes a day. Um, and Two Spies is a game that I've had installed on my devices forever and I've needed to play. Uh, I've 
dabbled of a few, right? Like I played Round God, I played a bunch of the Apple Arcade games. But no game this year has really stuck with me that I feel like I have an iOS game of the year. Like, mm. good Sudoku is great, but I don't like Sudoku, right? Yeah. You know, it's just a shame for me because Zach Gage, who I think is the best iOS game developer of all time, uh, in I my agree. opinion. You know, I can appreciate that Zach Gage is good Sudoku, who worked with Jack, Sh- Jack Shesh... Oh, my, my words, I'm sorry. Schlesinger. Schlesinger on this. Nope. Uh, I know it's fantastic. I've tried it. It's fantastic. But it's just not for me. So I don't have one. Uh, I don't have a pick. Well, I am going to declare Two Spies the winner. Great. It's great. It's a it's an iOS-only game mm-hmm. by indie iOS developers. It's really fun. They just did a big upgrade uh, with better AIs and stuff. Um, uh, we should definitely put uh, good Sudoku as a runner-up. And I'd actually like to put Round Guard as a, a runner-up too because I like that. But we could we could put Among Us in no, here. Did we already gave Among Us one. Yeah. I just put Round Guard in as the runner-up. So yeah. Two Spies is the winner with Good Sudoku and Round Guard as the runners-up. Yeah. Because uh, Round Guard is a game that I liked. But I think the difference is that every iOS game that I've played this year, I've bounced off of very quickly. Yeah. I don't know why, but that's just the way it's been for me. Mm-hmm. Favorite movie of the year, the weirdest category. Oh, boy. The weirdest category. Uh, it's worth noting, we cut off the awards uh, mid, about a week ago. A couple of movies have come out since then, Soul and Wonder Woman, um, yeah. which people may have wanted to vote for, but they couldn't. So in the Upgradians voting, at 10.1% is Palm Springs. So good. Uh, I've yet to see that, but it's on our list it's to watch a, soon. It's so good. It is seriously... If you haven't seen it, it's on Hulu in the U.S. Don't be turned off by the fact that it's it's Andy Samberg. Some people don't like Andy Samberg. I love Andy Samberg, though. So I, here's, no my, here's my pitch, just really quickly, for Palm Springs, which is, you know, Groundhog Day? Mm-hmm. This movie okay. isn't Groundhog Day, but it's the closest thing you're ever going to find. Okay. How about that? I like it. I'm up for it. I want to watch it. We're going to get it. So I think it's on Amazon here now on Prime Video. Yeah, I got bought. It was bought at a film festival, so Hulu took it in the U.S. and and it's elsewhere in other markets. Thirteen point six percent for Tenet. Christopher Nolan. I'm not sure about this one. I I wonder what our upgradians are doing at movie theaters, but you know, you do you, I suppose. And fifteen point nine percent is Hamilton on Disney Plus. Ah, yes. I'm not surprised by that. Mm-hmm. I'll just say it like now. Uh, Hamilton is one of the only movies I've seen that came out in 2020, and I loved it. Um, I think Hamilton... Uh, Kate has pointed out to me that, that Tenet is out on DVD now, so maybe. I'm hoping people watched now, it but not when, not when this was not when this was voted on. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, uh, okay. Well, there you go. I, I, it's mm. a shame. Uh, Hamilton was fantastic. I love Hamilton. Uh, and I love the movie version. I think they did a fantastic job with it. Um, I've watched it a couple of times since it came out. I'm super into it. So it's, it is my pick and very likely would have been one of my picks no matter what 2020 looked like. Well, I also didn't see very many movies this year. Watched, watched a lot of TV, didn't see a lot of movies this year. So this was a tough one. I wrote down three. I wrote down Hamilton. Okay. 
I wrote down Palm Springs. Mm-hmm. And I wrote down Soul. Ah, okay. I haven't seen Soul yet. It's really good. It's mm-hmm. really good. Available on Disney Plus mm-hmm. worldwide. Um, where Disney Plus is available. Disney Plus is the winner of the favorite movie category this year, clearly. I well, I mean, or there's Hulu with Palm Springs. Palm Springs. Well, but is they really got great. two though, is what I mean. From, from yeah, well, that's that's for sure. That's yeah. for sure. But I'm gonna go with you. I think I think my most delightful film experience of the year was watching Hamilton on release day. Because they did a really good job. As somebody who loves that show and has seen it in person three times, they did a really great job with that production. All right, so let's do that. And let's declare Hamilton, Hamilton as the winner. And I would say Soul and Palm Springs as our runners-up in this category. That sounds good. Ha- Hamilton, a movie due to be released in theaters in 2021, <laughs> pulled forward and wins. Yeah, an interesting, an interesting Funny year. story that one got. Funny year. Favorite TV show, and there's been a lot more action in this category than the movie category. For 8. sure. 8.1% is The Queen's Gambit from Netflix. Great. I was surprised to see how I get up there, honestly. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, good on you, upgrading. But... It's a good, good, very good show. Liked it a lot. 14.3%. The Mandalorian from Disney+. This Plus. is the way. Great show. This is the way. If you would like to hear what we had to say both me and Jason, about The Mandalorian. If you subscribe to Upgrade Plus, we had a whole big conversation in it. Yeah. And then on this week's episode of The Incomparable, you spoke about season two of A Fine Hell of Folks. Yes. Yes, including two from the UK, but not you. Not me. Other people. Other UKians. And this one is the highest percentage in the Upgradians picks of any win in any category for the whole of 2020 at 46.5%. Tiger King! That no. actually didn't come up very high, which is surprising. I think people forget that that was this year. Yeah. Ted Lasso. Yes. Yes. I mean, it was the obvious winner. What I will say is I am surprised at the gap between Ted Lasso and The Mandalorian. I am a little bit too, but... um, And I... So this is funny because I wrote... I just wrote down Ted Lasso in our mm-hmm. document. It was like, mm-hmm. clearly it's Ted Lasso. I wasn't really thinking about it. You wrote down three shows. And honestly, Mike... I think those are my three favorite shows of the year. So I think yep. I think you got it. I think you nailed it. Ted Lasso, The Mandalorian, and What We Do in the Shadows. What We Do in the Shadows. We did be comparable about that, too. can only assume that the reason that What We Do in the Shadows didn't appear very high in this list, because it didn't, is just because a lot of people haven't seen it. Because if you've right. seen that show, it's the best comedy. I think it's the best comedy of the year. Ted Lasso is a comedy, but I... I don't think it's as funny as what we do in the shadows. It's, right. No, what, what makes Ted Lasso great is, is, is not only is it funny, it is... Uh, it's got heart. Heartfelt. Yeah, exactly right. But what is great what we do about in the shadows what we do in the shadows is just It's hilarious. Funny. And one of the most clever interpretations of a premise that I've seen. Yeah. Um, there, there are things in that show. One, the movie is fantastic. You don't need to have seen the movie to watch the show because it's different, but they live in the same kind of universe. But the... the there are things about vampires in that show which is so cleverly made. It's it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, it is. I, I think we've talked about it briefly on this podcast, and I said it's the closest to This is Spinal Tap mm-hmm. that I've ever found in terms of tone. And for somebody who ha- owns This is Spinal Tap in like eight different forms of media and considers it, you know, one, it's one of my favorites. To say that this is the closest I've ever seen to getting the vibe of This is Spinal Tap uh, except it's about vampires instead of rock stars, who aren't as different as you might think. Um, 
it, it's it's great. It's legitimately a great show. It's mm-hmm. it, and it's hilarious. It's just hilarious. It's hilarious. I love it. So Ted Lasso clearly is our winner. Let me just say, I want to just say something okay. about Mandalorian. Sure. Mandalorian yes. is a better TV show than Ted Lasso. Now, understand what I'm saying here. You can have favorites and bests, right? Ted Lasso is my favorite show of the year. I think The Mandalorian is the best TV show that I've seen this year. Well, that's a, that's a weird dichotomy, and I don't I don't actually agree. I, I, I think I, that, that's how I feel. Right? You can I mean, listen to the Mandalorian okay. episode of The Incomparable, and there there's a, my, I love the understand, Mandalorian. I've seen all of it this year. Yeah. Right? So I love uh, you I, know yeah. Right, that's true. You did it really fast. So uh, what I'll say is, I think season one has a... I liked season one, but it reached a crescendo where I... Sort of the last couple episodes where I realized I really loved it. Season two, I liked all the way through. And yet at the same time, I don't know. I think it suffers... Every individual episode of The Mandalorian season two is great. Mm -hmm. I think it suffers a little bit from, in hindsight, being being plotted to create spinoffs. Sure, sure, sure. And yeah, I didn't, yeah, yeah. I think that it actually is weakened a little bit by the fact mm. that it's trying very hard to sort of merchandise itself and its characters it's and to selling lead into various... the other people more yeah. than Mando in this Yeah, there's season, just I in hindsight, you're like, why are there those guys in X-Wings that are kind of like the Highway Patrol and why does Cara Dune get a badge? And Sorry, spoilers for, these, these are, it doesn't matter. Why does Cara Dune get a badge at one point and, you know... Is Boba Fett around? Like, you start to think, wait a second, are these all spinoff TV shows of The Mandalorian? And the answer, friends, is yes, they are. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It, but it was great. It was it was great. I, I, I think Ted Lasso is fundamentally the best show of the year. But cool. The Mandalorian is, is legitimately a great show. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Ted Lasso is the easy winner of this. Um and I think that the, as you say, right, we we agree. The Mandalorian, and then what we do in the shadows is, are our runners up. Yes, but shout out to the Queen's Gambit in that eight percent vote. That that was that was I enjoyed that a lot. That was a show that I really enjoyed this year. It was very well done on Netflix. Been a good year for TV. Like, and twenty twenty one is going to be an even better one. I think. Yeah, I got a I got a long 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 list. I discovered Taskmaster this year, yeah. and I love Me Taskmaster too. too. That's such a great show. So. A lot of good good TV. That's why I haven't seen so many movies, is that there was a lot of good TV this year. And I think that's going to be a trend going into the future, right? Yeah. Like, t- TV. If they can TV make more episodes of TV, I think we're, we're about to enter a soft spot where the pandemic is going to um, make it hard for there to be as much new TV. But we'll see. There's still a lot. Your favorite category. <laughs> this is like game of the year. This is the flip side. This is where <laughs> I pick the winner. Favorite book. Yeah, that's right. This I mean, okay, so in uh, Upgrade Plus today, which you can subscribe to at getupgradeplus.com, you get ad-free versions of Upgrade and additional content. In Upgrade Plus today, we're going to talk about how I compile the lists for the Upgradians votes. The book category is the hardest one to put together because the variance in the way that people answer this question whether it's like right. the title and the author or the title and no author or the way that they write title and author, this is very hard to put together. Nevertheless, four point, and plus, this is the one that typically has the lowest votes for the winners because there's sure. so many answers put in. So 4.2% right. is Rhythm of War by Brandon Sanderson. 9% is A Promised Land by Barack Obama. 
And at 9.5% is the Aleph Extraction by Dan Morin. <laughs> I love that Dan wins this category from the Upgradians. The Upgradians yep. love Dan Morin. They do. They do. And they should. More than Barack Obama is what we've learned. Every, more than, mm-hmm. well, it's, it goes, it's a 1-2. It's a tight 1-A, one, 1-B. One one mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and Obama. 1-A <laughs> and 1-B. So I have two mm-hmm. that I'm going to mention. And then I will declare a winner, and books by two of my friends will be the runners-up. Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> okay. My favorite book of the year is a book uh, by Arkady Martin called A Memory Called Empire. It's a science fiction novel. It won the Hugo Award this year. I read it in January. It, it, I was just looking through my Goodreads. It's one of two books that I, that I marked this year as a five-star. Mm-hmm. Um. It's great. I mean, it's great. It's it's weird. It's not I'm sure it's not for everybody. It's the it's you don't have to have read anything else to read it. It's about it's a science fiction novel about somebody from kind of the outskirts of a giant galactic empire going to the capital and uh there's a lot of weird things that happen and the capital the the culture of this empire is very strange, but the book is it's a fun ride, but it's also a uh got a lot to say about uh, culture and i mean it's in the title about imperialism <laughs> um and it was great it was legitimately great it's a first novel too blows me away this is her first novel um loved it so that's the that's gonna be the winner because <laughs> it's the best book i read this year okay period um i want to plug the aleph extraction of course olive olive the olive extraction it makes olive oil it's an olive extractor oh, did i say it wrong no it, it's all olive i'm told it's olive Aleph extraction. Okay. I don't know. Al F extraction. Sorry, <laughs> That's Dan. My Dan fault. buy Dan's books. Buy Dan's books. Yep. So let's make that an honorable mention because the uh, the upgradians wanted it. And I'm gonna mm-hmm. throw in a nonfiction pick that uh, I think people will like if they haven't read it. It's uh it's called uh, The End of Everything, Astrophysically Speaking, by Katie Mack. Uh, a book about all the different ways that the universe can end. One of which is probably how it will end, but we will all be gone by the time that happens, probably. Don't worry too much about all of it, but it's a very entertaining book that tries to deal with some big issues in science in a way that regular people can understand. And it's funny, because Katie is funny. Um, and yeah, it's really good. So I'll, I'll throw that on the, on the, uh, on the runners-up lists. But uh, Memory Called Empire is the winner. This episode is brought to you by Hover, one of Relay FM's longest running sponsors. When you have that one big idea, where are you going to go? Look, your business starts with a domain name. For many entrepreneurs, Hover is that first big leap, and it's a great one. Because Hover have over 300 domain name extensions to choose from. So no matter what it is you're looking to build, there is a domain name waiting for it. It's going to fit perfectly. They have excellent technical support so they can answer any questions that you might have and help you get up and running quickly. Hover are dedicated to getting you online and not upselling you. And this is one of my favorite things. The user experience, the user interface, super clean, really easy. They give you free who is privacy so bad guys don't get your information on any domain that supports it. And I love just how easy the dashboard is to use. So one of the things that I'll typically do with Hover is I have an idea and I create a domain name and I want to forward it somewhere. Like for example, upgradies.com was bought on Hover and it's forwarded over to the platform. 
that we use it for. The same as upgrades.vote, which is a domain that we own. So every year I forward it to the Google form. And it's so easy for me to go into the hover dashboard and set these forwards where they need to go. I really, really love it for that. Uh, .inc is a new premium domain name extension for businesses that want to be taken seriously. If you checked if your brand name is currently available, don't let somebody else beat you to your brand's .inc domain. From small startups to large enterprises, brands are taking notice of the credibility of this .inc domain. Of 56% of Forbes' most valuable brands have registered their domain names, including PayPal, Fox, Amazon, Walmart, Facebook, and many, many more. Millions of company names entered Inc. Now your domain name can too. Upgrade your domain to the perfect match and join over 56% of Forbes' most valuable brands and register your .inc domain today. But Hover have, as I said, over 300 domain name extensions. They have what you're looking for. Go to hover.com slash upgrade and you'll get a 10% discount on all new purchases. That's hover.com slash upgrade. Make a name for yourself with Hover. Our thanks to Hover for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. So let's, so we've, we've, okay, so we have finished our app category. We have finished our media categories. Now we are moving into kind of what I think of as the technology hardware categories. And we will talk now about our favorite Apple products of the year. Upgradians voted thusly. 12.3% is the magic keyboard for iPad. 13.1% for the iPhone 12 mini. This was a surprise to me, Jason. I didn't expect the Mini to not only get this high, but it beat all of the other iPhones by quite a margin. Mm. And at 30.8% of the vote is the M1 MacBook Air. Oh, this is a really tough category. It's been a great year for Apple hardware. It has. It has. My list is the Upgradians list. Okay. All three of those are the three that I wanted to nominate. Okay. Do you have a different order? Well, I haven't ordered them yet, but okay. I do. I do have a different order. All right. And this is this is gonna this is gonna be. I'm not, I'm not sure what we're gonna do because. I think my favorite. Oh, oh, I don't. I can't even decide. I think we have the, we have the life changing hardware coming up. Mm-hmm. I could make a very strong argument that the Magic Keyboard for iPad Pro is life changing hardware. Okay, it is. It has improved the way that I use my iPad Pro a lot. Mm-hmm. It might be my favorite Apple product of the year, but I'm very torn because that M1 MacBook Air is amazing. Mm-hmm. For what it does and what it costs. It's amazing. I love it. But the Magic Keyboard, I just, I, just because the MacBook Air came out recently, and I love the iPhone 12 mini too. Don't get me wrong. I love it too. But the Magic Keyboard came out a long time ago, but it's just so good. I think it might be my favorite, but it's close. What about you? Magic Keyboard for iPad Pro. M1 MacBook Pro, I don't have an Air, iPhone 12 Pro Max. Of course. That's my three. Now, this is difficult. Like, Mm -hmm. this is genuinely very difficult because 
The Magic Keyboard feels like it wasn't this year for a couple of reasons. One of them is that, you know, we've, so much has happened. Like, the, the, the Magic Keyboard came out at the very beginning of lockdowns. It was, yes. it was March that it was announced. I think it shipped in April. Um, but also, I have products that were kind of like this one for a while, you know, like in it, what it allowed me to do. The Magic Keyboard is obviously so much better at it by integrating the trackpad. And it really did change how I use my iPad. The big way. But quarantines have actually moved my computer usage back to the Mac. Mm-hmm. So like, I'll tell you right now, Jason, I have not used my 12.9-inch iPad Pro in about two months. Scream I use, emoji. I use my 11-inch <laughs> iPad Pro. Sure. Sure. Nearly every day for stuff, but it's not work really anymore. If I'm working, I'm using a Mac. And Look at you. these days, the Mac that I choose to work on is an M1 MacBook Pro. And I adore it. I adore it. Touch ID is amazing. Yep. Right? Um, mm-hmm. The screen is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly fast. Uh, I plug it into monitors frequently. Perfect. Works great. There's a little bug, but it works super great. And like sometimes I have to just like turn the monitor on and off again. I don't know why it happens, but sometimes I end up with like half of the laptop screen on the monitor screen. Whatever. It's not a problem. Don't care. Um, my it's just like the 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 ways in which I work have been forced to change because of the environments that I'm finding myself in more and more. And it just happens to have happened at a time where I am more interested in the Mac than I have been in years because the Mac is more interesting than it has been in years. So I expect that over the next year, things are going to rebalance a little bit. But I do expect that from now for the long fu- long-term future, I will be using the Mac more than I have done it's a platform that I'm using to do my work rather than it just being the platform that I use to do my like recording, right? Like I'm talking about everything else I used to do on an iPad or on a Mac. So I'm very torn. It is for me between those two things because the Magic Keyboard for iPad Pro is really brilliant. It's an absolutely brilliant product that totally changes how you use the iPad. But the M1 MacBook Pro is so much better than my other MacBook Pros that I've had in the past. Like, by a country mile, that computer is better. And so I am I am really genuinely struggling with what I would pick here. But then I have the problem of the M1 MacBook Pro isn't the product that's going to win it anyway. Like, if it's going to go right. to one of them, it should go to the MacBook Air. Well, But I, I don't want to discount the fact that the Magic Keyboard for iPad Pro turns the iPad into a different thing. My iPad, my iPad usage doesn't work anymore without the Magic Keyboard. Here's the funny thing, just behind the scenes. I think, I think both of these products are going to get some level of acclaim in the upgradies because there are two categories coming up as they should. Yeah. So we this is the again we're back in the in the in the room where it happens. Hmm? Yep. Trying to figure out how to do this. Personally, for, yep. the, for I think that that Apple's best achievement this year is the M1. Yeah, I I am going to endorse that and say let's choose the M1 MacBook Air yep. as the favorite Apple product of the year. 
it's so exciting. It's so incredible. You know, they this product potentially changes all of computing now. You know, it's funny. We'll talk about 20 Macs or 2020 later on, but, you know, one of the episodes is the MacBook Air. And what the MacBook Air did is change the category of laptops. They changed laptops, right? They became thin and light. That was, that was the thing. The M1 is is probably going to be a similar point where, like, no, no, computers should be arm-powered, right? Like, it's time to move away from X86 because look at what this can do. And we could be in a... I think, I think personally, we could be in that kind of area. Uh, let's go with Magic Keyboard for iPad Pro as a runner-up. And I'm happy to put the iPhone 12 mini in there as well. As a, Give as me and the upgradings what we want. Yeah. Look, I, look it's, it's kind of like for every reason that you would give the mini, except for one, is the same reason that I go for the iPhone 12 Pro Max. You know, the, the one reason that's different is there hasn't been something like this. But it's the point of like, people that love that phone really love that phone. You know what? That's the same for me, right? Because the iPhone 12 Pro Max is everything I want out of an iPhone. So it's a similar reason. So I'm happy to grant that. There is a whole world of technology though, Jason, that is not made by Apple. So we have our favorite non-Apple product of the year. At 4.2%, the Peloton Faithful will come out for the Peloton Bike Plus. At 6.2% is the Xbox Series X. Uh, Microsoft, I think, will hurt a little bit here by having two consoles. Um, and if there was only one console, I think they may have been bumped up a little higher, but they would not have toppled Sony. I did actually do the math on this. They would not have toppled Sony at 17.8% with the Sony PlayStation 5. And it's the Upgradians pick for favorite non-Apple product of the year. What have you got, Jason Snell? Um, I have two things that I got basically for Christmas. Okay. Although one of them was a little bit earlier. I'll just mention them because uh, these are the, the non-Apple products that I've enjoyed this year so far. One is I got a new Roomba. <laughs> okay. Listeners to Upgrade will know that a couple years ago I got a Roomba just, you know, to try it out. A low-end Roomba. I got the i7 this time. I got the, I got the one that knows where it's going. It's, it's great. Do you have the thing where it empties itself? Yes, I do. Oh, all right. Uh, we need to talk about this. Not now. <laughs> it, yeah, right? it sounds like a jet engine taking, a jet plane taking off. It's, it's ridiculous, but it's, it's the best. And, okay. and having the ability to say, hey, uh, little robot, go clean the back of the house. Go clean mm. the bedroom. Okay. All right, we're going to talk about this later people on. People are working in the front of the house. It's fun. Um, and I got an Oculus Quest 2. Okay. Yeah, see, the PSVR convinced me that uh, VR games are fun. And the Quest, and, the, and is I didn't want to, and I, and the Quest is the best, and it doesn't have cabling like mm-hmm. the PSVR. It's such a hassle to make sure the cables are all set up right. And it doesn't and have then that also, stupid I didn't, camera. And I, yeah, yeah, and you got to set up the camera, and I didn't want to pay even more to get the PlayStation Move controllers, so I was just using a standard PlayStation controller. Whereas mm-hmm. the Quest comes with two hand controllers that are essentially like the Move controllers. Yeah, they're really so. Good. Um, it's it's really good. I I've only had it for a week, but um I'm very impressed with it. It's a lot of fun. VR games are fun. I played uh, Vader Immortal mm-hmm. over the weekend. Uh did a little Beat Saber, which is hilarious. It's very fun. And yeah, I'm 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 very impressed that it uh, is 
just being able to map out the fact that it's got i mean we should talk about it later um the fact that it's got a basically an ar mode where you can see what's around you so you don't like step on things and then paint on the floor where you want your current play area to be it's so smart it's so Mm -hmm. good And, and and having had the psvr experience i have appreciation for all the things that it does well because the psvr as much fun as it was to use that for the games that i played on it was you know janky <laughs> the the psvr is super janky you know, like it's it's janky in so many ways like half of the hardware is old hardware that they repurposed you know like the move controller and the camera they had those for different things like oh this could kind of work none of n- except for the headset all of the other components were not built with vr as the focus and right. it suffers for that yep. where the oculus products are built that way um, I have the original Oculus Quest and it is the best VR experience that I've ever had because it's freeing because you're not tethered. You know, it's, it's very, and you can do whatever you want, which is great. Like my, you know, I have a, I had a PC in my office at home and I had an Oculus Rift, but I didn't have a lot of space. There's nothing I can do about it. And the Quest, we can play in the living room where we have the space and, it, and it's fantastic. So I endorse the Quest as a product. Yes, I know that Facebook own Oculus. Yeah, I don't want to hear it. I, I don't but love it, but not. I also, as Marco uh, got one too, and he was saying, he, he said, yeah, I know, Facebook sucks. Also, I'm on Instagram, and I'm not leaving there, and that's owned by Facebook. So you pick and choose what you want to do with, with Facebook. And mm-hmm. I basically don't use Facebook, but I do use Instagram, and uh, the I use WhatsApp, Oculus is good. Yeah, I don't use Facebook. And, and if people want to be like, no Facebook in my life, that's fine. It's you, man. I have Go decided... I've decided that uh, I'm not going to draw the line at this product or at Instagram for that matter. That's fine. For me, PlayStation 5. Yeah. It's very, very good. You can find one. Sure. If you you can get one, good for you. I do have one and I love it. And I got the 48-inch LG OLED TV from this C-series. So happy because... You know, OLEDs tend to be over fifty inches, too big for my the space from where we watch TV. We'd be too close. We we tried it. We got like a fifty something inch LG TV. We're too close. The forty eight inch LG OLED, perfect for our for our space. I absolutely love this TV, and it's the perfect pairing for my PlayStation Five. Um, super good. Like even. Like, even the speakers of the television are really good, like, in a way that I've not seen from a TV before. I know it's never as good as having a sound system, but it really does have great great sound coming from the TV, which is great because that's how I play my games, right? Like, I use the HomePod for when I'm watching stuff on Apple TV, but I can't play my Switch or PlayStation with that. Sounds great. I really love it. I like the LG TV UI. I don't use it very much, uh, but it's great. I love that I have uh, it's in HomeKit. So I can turn my TV on and off and change my inputs on my iPhone. Love it. Fantastic. Really great. All right. So picking the Mm. winner for this, I think PlayStation 5's got to be in the mix. Yeah. Um, I I mean, you love it and the Upgradians love it and I have no opinion and I I don't need to pick a VR headset or a Roomba. (laughs) So I'm okay with just giving it to the PlayStation 5. Let's go. PlayStation 5 is the winner. With Oculus Quest 2 and as Mike's a TV. Up, 
and the 48-inch LG OLED TV. I think my TV from two years ago was the runner-up in this category. So, like, our TVs always get to be runners-up in the upgrades. It's the law now. 2018, Jason's 4K HDR TV. That was was the winner in my document. Right? It's a great TV. Like, the LG OLED TVs are great, and I'm so pleased that they created something for people that don't have big rooms. It's a great product. Now we move into worst gadget or most oh, disappointing technology the of mean 2020. Awards, the mean awards. This is an interesting one, Jason. So we have a 4.7% 5G. I get it. Yep. 5.6% the MagSafe Duo Charger. I have a problem with this pick, which I'll come back to in a minute. 5.8% MagSafe. Now, I was not expecting MagSafe to be here. Now, I can imagine it's maybe people carrying over the frustration of the removal of charges, which is part of what's going on here. Um, I don't think that like MagSafe is disappointing as a technology. The MagSafe Duo, which is the little case thing, Yeah. my problem with it being here is... I struggle with products in this category if people have never used them. Right. I mean, the reputation for that product is not great, but very few no. people have actually used it. And and that's the thing. Like, our friend Federico loves it, but Federico's situation means it works great for him. So he has a metal right. nightstand, so it magnetically attaches. So, like, Federico's <laughs> in best-case scenario for that. But I, I struggle with that to say, like, oh, that is the worst gadget of the year because it's not a gadget that people I think have used in the numbers that voted for it. And genuinely I'm very surprised that MagSafe was at the top of the upgrading list. Do you do you yeah. share my surprise? Yes, I don't understand why. I I I have the MagSafe charging puck. Yep. I like it. It's the best if you're chi charging, it's better than any other chi charging solution. Except, but so there are there are parts that are bad, right? The cable's too short. That's annoying, right? But I don't think that that would then say that all of MagSafe is a disappointment. But the Upgradians are going to do what they're going to do, Jason. They're, and they're, that's right. Close, that's why we love them. But they they mm-hmm. voted high on it. But what what are your yep. disappointments? Well, I think there are a few that haven't been mentioned yet that I want to mention. AirPods Max uh, case, mm-hmm. which again I haven't used. But people seem to hate it. Uh, you know, I I don't hate it. Like, I know why people don't like it. It's not great. But, like, you can just not use it. I I use it. It's where I put my AirPods Pro when I'm done with them. My, my AirPods Max when I'm done with them. It's fine. But hey-ho. Um, I haven't used it, so I have no opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, here are the two that I, I am more seriously going to promote. One of them is in the list, which is 5G. I think this was the year that uh, iPhone users got to see what a uh, uh, marketing scam 5G is. Mm-hmm. Um, and and is it disappointing and bad? I don't know. Maybe. Depends on how you want to argue it. But the fact that 
Um, 5G is sort of a scheme to get people to pay more on their on their phone bills and has been sold by the entire wireless industry as this thing you've got to have that doesn't actually have benefit to most users because the 5G speeds aren't that great and the places where the 5G speeds are great are essentially like Wi-Fi hotspots. They're very small. And 5G will be necessary over time, but at present, I would say 5G is disappointing. There might be a better category for 5G marketing than this, but there it is. And then the other one that I came up with, which I know is near and dear to your heart too, is the ability to run iOS apps on Apple Silicon Macs, mm-hmm. which was short was mentioned in in June, uh, briefly mentioned when it rolled out, uh, not really emphasized by Apple PR, and then when we all started using it, discovered why, which is it's kind of half baked. And most of the apps you want to use aren't in the store. So it was a super disappointment. And probably my biggest disappointment in tech this year, personally, because I thought this was going to be huge. And uh, it's a a technical failure and also a store supply failure because everybody seems to have opted out. Yeah, it's like, I think as we spoke about at the time, there are many applications that I know would run great, but the developers just don't want to put them in the store, and I find that disappointing. And I know I know that there are some apps that just don't run very well because Apple support isn't very good. But you know, I've used enough of these apps to know the ones that do or don't work. And this has been a major disappointment for me this year. Like you said, on all fronts, from the technology that's available to the take up of it because I really thought that this was going to be like absolutely transformative for the Mac. One of the apps I really wanted to have running on my MacBook Air, one of these iOS apps is from my cable company and it's the ability to watch basically live TV and put it in and they have a website that'll do it but the website is very bad and I wanted to be able to put it in picture in picture and all of that. I was very excited to discover yesterday that something happened either the 11.1 update or an app update where all of a sudden it works. It, it didn't work before it launched, but it sort of didn't do anything. And then it started to work. And I was very excited. And I, t- I, I sent a note in Slack to you and Steve. And I was like, hey, finally, some good news about the iOS apps on Mac front. And then I looked in the app store and uh, guess what? Since I downloaded it, it has been removed from the app store. So no okay. one else will be able to take advantage of this app that I can use because they've removed it. Because of course they have. I think iOS I, apps on M1 Max is going to be the winner of this category. I think it does. Um, I think it does. I want to put 5G in for sure. As a runner-up. Runner yeah. I don't want to put MagSafe in personally. All right. Don't want to do Let's that. Let's just leave it there. Let's okay. leave it there. Most life-changing hardware. The Upgradians voted with 8.3% for the Magic Keyboard for iPad Pro. 9.8% was AirPods Pro. So a lot of Upgradians got AirPods Pro in 2020. And at ten point nine percent, Apple Watch. Yeah, fascinating. The Apple Watch always scores highly in this category, and I understand why. Like, if you've just gotten an Apple Watch and new to the Apple Watch, and there are a lot of people new to the Apple Watch, it will have a big impact on your life. I just wasn't expecting it again to to be uh in, to to not just be in the running, but to win the category. Yeah, it's uh, 
it's a perennial, right? Because it does have, if you get an Apple Watch or you're using your Apple, I mean, I could argue that it's changed, it's my most life-changing hardware this year because it's gotten me to actually start running and stick with running and run a couple of 5Ks and stuff like that. And that's mostly because I can do it the way I want using the Apple Watch and the fitness app and tracking and all, having it remind me and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but, you know, that happened a few years ago for me, but I get that for different people. You could you could phrase it different ways. Yeah. I have a nominee here, and it's something that we talked about earlier, which is um, the Magic Keyboard for iPad Pro and iPad OS cursor support together um, really did change the, my favorite piece of hardware, which is my iPad Pro, for the better. And I um, going into 2020, I would never have believed <laughs> what happened in the spring. Not talking about the pandemic, talking about cursor support added to iPad OS and this first party keyboard with trackpad for iPad, designed for iPad. That's uh, it was amazing, and I still use it all the time, and I love it. So for me, that's the uh, I agree with the 8.3 percent of Upgradians, uh, the Magic Keyboard. Magic Keyboard is going to win this category, but I have a personal yep. pick. Um, yeah, which Lay is it on me. big thing in my life this year has been building custom mechanical keyboards. It's become my new hobby. It's an interest that I absolutely love. It's been my COVID hobby, right? I think lots of people have had one. This has become mine. And it was really sparked by my first kind of entry in this world, like at the custom mechanical keyboard, like the, the, the luxury keyboard world, as it were, which is a keyboard called the U80 by a company called Rama. It is absolutely wonderful uh i use this keyboard nearly every day um still and i absolutely adore it i love the design i love how it feels to use um it's an absolute beast it's so heavy because there's this huge brass weight in the back of it um it really is just a superb product wonderfully made and i adore it so it's just a personal thing here because it you know, this this hobby has changed a part of my life this year. It's it's given me entertainment and interest and intrigue in a time which has been tr- challenging. Um, and this one was definitely the one that really kind of set it off for me. So we will go with Magic Keyboard for iPad Pro as the winner in this category very easily. Um, what and, about um, the runners-up? I would say your keyboard and the okay. Apple Watch. I think so. Yeah, see, because just with the Magic Keyboard, right, like, just to double down, just to make the point that you made again, but it really changed what it meant to use an iPad, and it's gotten even better by the fact that it's not just for iPad Pro anymore, right? The iPad Air 4 also can use this product, um, which is fantastic, because it really does fundamentally change how you use the iPad in excellent ways and especially the the cursor support as well that goes along with it it's really just superb this episode is brought to you by doordash you have so much on your to-do list laundry emails errands who knows what else give yourself one less thing to worry about by letting doordash take care of your next meal doordash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now right to your door. Ordering is easy. You just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with their new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the US, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants as well, like Chipotle, Wendy's, or the Cheesecake Factory. Chipotle, 
Oh, I said Chipotle. I don't like that. Chipotle, Wendy's, mm. or the Cheesecake Factory. Jason, can you tell me a little bit about your use of DoorDash? Chipotle was my favorite character on Star Trek Voyager. Anyway, <laughs> um, the <laughs> that's deep cut. Star Trek nerds know what I'm talking about. So, um, New Year's Eve coming up. And I want to tell you a little story, which is that um, Christmas Eve, I made I made dinner and we had like a bunch of sides and stuff. And then we did it again for Christmas Day. And um, Lauren and I were walking yesterday and I said, I don't want to do that again. That was too much work. <laughs> so for New Year's Eve, we're going to order in and I'm going to place that order in advance. I'm going to mark it for when we want it to deliver. And we're going to have our local Indian restaurant. I think we're going to do Indian. We're going to have it, it, it brought to us at the time we specify on New Year's Eve and we're going to have our family meal at home. We're not going to even, we can stay in our PJs if we want to and nice. uh, they'll bring the food to us. So DoorDash lets you do that. It's pretty great. Right now, listeners of this show can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more, which is super easy if you're doing the New Year's Eve thing like Jason. When you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter the code UPGRADE, you will get that $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order. Just go to uh, the App Store, download the DoorDash app, and use the code UPGRADE. That is one last time, U-P-G-R-A-D-E, for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Go download it now. And thanks to DoorDash for their support of this show and Relay FM. Jason, we are coming up to our final set of categories for the evening now. We have uh, some, some, some tech stories, tech screw-up categories, and then the hotly contested podcast awards and the upgrades. So we go for favorite tech story of the year now. It was also a particularly difficult one to uh, do the grading for because people just write sentences. Ideas. uh, (laughs) Send in your ideas. It's a tricky one. However, I was able to uh, coalesce the answers together. At 3.1% of the votes is the Apple and Google exposure notification system, which was a favorite story of people uh, for this year. 11.5% is, quote, App Store Controversy. This includes, hey, uh, Epic, Fortnite, um, and many of the other App Store-related issues that there's been throughout this year. And But with 44.3%, the transition to Apple Silicon and the M1 Max. Yeah. So I put two, two stories down, and sometimes I look further afield from Apple, but in this case, I, I'm going to stick with Apple for 2020 because... I want to do that. And these are, I think, fun uh, stories. The Apple Silicon transition is absolutely on my list because this was the year that it happened. They announced it and they made it happen. We'll continue, but like this is the year that it happened. So that's a great choice. Good job, many upgradians who, who chose it. The other one I'll throw in there is iOS customization, something that we've talked about a lot. The idea that with iOS 14, you had the ability to build these widgets and it led to this wild and and some changes to shortcuts. And we ended up in this wild place where there was a huge trend this fall toward Mm -hmm. people customizing their iPhones, especially Mm -hmm. the icons, the widgets, the whole thing. And um, that pent up user desire to make their devices their own. That is, you know, not new. People have wanted to personalize their devices for decades now but it finally they had the the tools to do it and they did so i think that's a big story for this year too yep uh i will also say apple silicon transition 
uh, has been fascinating and is setting up for what I'm sure to be is a very interesting 2021. I personally have really enjoyed uh, the comings and goings of all of the App Store controversies this year. Oh boy. Enjoy is a strong word for it. (laughs) What I mean by enjoy is like, I found it fascinating. I, I found the back and forward fascinating, all of the stuff that it dredged up. Um, like these emails from Apple executives uh, to each other, and there's, there's just—I think there's been a lot of intrigue in it. Um, and as a person who finds the comings and goings and machinations of big companies interesting, this has been like catnip for me this year, really. Um, this story, and again, not going away, but I think we've seen a lot of the fireworks already. Um, and then. I've also loved the iOS customization stuff, uh, but also coupling that with Widgetsmith, you know, seeing the rise of that application and being able to stand by and watch one of my closest friends go through all of that was kind of incredible to me. So I couldn't not include it here. Yes. Um, I think it's very easy to, to go with Apple Silicon transition as the winner with iOS customization and App Store controversy as the runners up. I think that seems pretty cut and dry to me, unless you disagree in any way. I I agree completely. Cool. And look, the Apple Silicon transition, I think, was always going to be interesting, right? Like, however it happened, good or bad, or even if it was just, oh, look, this was easy and everything's the same. But we got, we all got a lot more, I think, than we were expecting from this, right? Like, the, the products and the way it was all done, really just absolutely fascinating and, and really fun to talk about. So now we move into our favorite tech screw-up of the year. So there's some interesting ones in here. 7.8% is Cyberpunk 2077's terrible launch. <laughs> this one, unbelievable. Uh, honestly, too much for me to even try and summarize, but this is a video game. It's been waiting for a long time. Delayed, 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 delayed. Came out, was okay, but buggy on PC. Absolutely abysmal on many consoles. Then it turned out that there was like the the reviews were much better than the game would seem to indicate because all of the reviewers only got uh PC review codes nobody got to see it on consoles and see how bad it was and then the footage and stuff that was being shared seemed to from the developer seemed to be um not console <laughs> the way it was running on the consoles and then the next gen console patch and like version got delayed again and there was a lot of crunch at the development studio and lots of reports of people being working for so much time then the developer i'm trying to customize i'm trying to summarize it here that then the developers said basically for playstation uh owners if you want to re- refund Fine, ask Sony. Sony seemed to not have agreed to that and ended up just pulling the app from the store and refunding everyone. Absolutely bananas. Now there's like a class action lawsuit from the investors in the company, CD Projekt Red. Huge story. Big disappointment for a lot of people, including me. I was really looking forward to this game, but I've decided to just leave it for now. Maybe I'll come back to it at some point when it's maybe running the way I want it to. So wild story. One of the worst console launches for controversy that i think i've ever seen 
9.9% is the App Store controversy, so everything surrounding Hay and Epic that we were talking about earlier um, mm-hmm. is considered by our upgradians to be screw-ups on all sides, I think. Uh, probably, yeah. You know. I interpret this, at least personally, I interpret this as that, that this is, um, on the all sides is a good way to put it, that Apple is partly responsible for the screw-up here because Apple... Um, has well, I would say mainly had, responsible. Uh, yeah, you're no. I think you're right. I think this is really a, an own goal on Apple's part that they could have avoided this controversy if they had wanted to, and it feels like they left it for a long time. Yeah, and only now are attempting to evade and avoid this controversy when they could have done it sooner, but they were stubborn. And uh, while I had a lot of criticism for Hey and Epic and other places, this bottom line is that Apple is being scrutinized by powerful forces like governments and, you know, important regulators. And they could have avoided so much of this. And instead they just sort of walked right into it. And, uh, and that's why that would be how I would classify it in the category of screw up. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, you know, I would say it is their job to have avoided this as the, as the runners of that, as like the owners of that platform. Um, but yeah, there we are with that one. Um, also, twenty-two point two percent from the Upgradians, Quibi. You know, it's a great choice. Yeah, Quibi's that a great is choice, a spectacular right? screw up. Quibi, the whole yes, Quibi. Yep, it's just terrible. I mean, we saw it coming. Mm-hmm. We knew it would happen. Mm-hmm. I think we did an episode where maybe it was an ask upgrade question. There was a question about Quibi and, and it was like, does Quibi have any chance? And it was just launched. And I think the answer we gave was no, 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 it's a disaster. It's, it's, it's a, it's going to be a disaster. And it was a disaster. And don't let uh, anybody tell you that it was the pandemic. It wasn't the pandemic. It was that it was a bad idea. It was always a bad idea. It was a bad idea yep. from when we first heard about it. Like, yep. I'm sure the pandemic didn't help, but you know, I I love the thing I've heard Ben Thompson say many times, and I put it here is like the pandemic just accelerated things that were already in motion. Quibi was not going to work. It just wasn't, um, and maybe it died faster because of the pandemic. Like maybe they would have been able to get more investment, but then maybe people called on them because it was maybe a bad time to invest. I don't know, but absolute screw up what are your votes here quibi is a great one mm-hmm. um and i'll throw in a couple others are these screw ups i don't know um 5g conspiracy theories mm, okay yeah i don't know if that's a tech screw up or not i mean 5g i've already expressed that my skepticism about 5g in general but some people express their skepticism about 5G and being convinced that it's like mind control. Uh, anyway, that was, that was an interesting story. And then related to that, also there are people who believe that all wireless devices are, are used for mind control. And my favorite story perhaps of the year uh, about this is people who bought, uh, you can buy on Amazon Faraday cages for your Wi-Fi routers, which will block the signal from them. Which is amazing because they're not useful if you block the signal. I don't understand what you'd use. Like what? what I don't. Mm. Are you? Mm-hmm. Just don't yep. plug it in. Yeah, but is is people? 
is st- the story that people don't understand technology and blame it for all their ills a tech screw up or not? I don't know. I don't think so. Quibi, Quibi is right down the middle as a tech screw up. So I'll yeah, just throw. I, think, I just wanted to mention those other stories. I I would say we we go with Quibi as the screw up, uh, and then again <laughs> oh, App Store controversies App Store. and Cyberpunk. Yeah, in, in the because that works for me. That what Cyberpunk one is a, is kind of incredible. What a year! Yeah. But Quibi, man, my word, just bravo to you. All right, here we go. Podcast time. Favorite tech podcast. I hate this category. I hate these categories. You know why I hate them? Why? Because I don't listen to podcasts as much anymore because I don't have a commute and it's it's very hard. My my podcast listening is very much what my podcast listening was with a few exceptions when we started these categories. And so it's painful. It's painful because I just, I don't have as much to contribute. I'm not out there trying a bunch of different podcasts. Well, that's why we have, don't have time. Guardians. I don't have time. I would say okay. for me, it's been really easy this year for these categories because okay. I've actually consumed new shows for a couple of the categories because there are new shows and they're easy picks for me um, in, in these categories. So the Upgradians, 7.7% of the vote uh, for favorite tech podcast goes to the talk show with John Gruber. 13.6% is Upgrade, which again, I will only assume here, Jason, you know, I think it's easy to assume. The Upgradians just think they can't vote for Upgrade. And I don't know, this continues a delightful trend where Upgradians never pick Upgrade as their favorite tech podcast, but always like their second favorite. I think that's amazing <laughs> and hilarious, and uh, it, it amuses me to no end. 25.6% uh, goes to Connected, which is another show that I host here at Relay FM. Well, well, that's the one with all the japes, right? Mm-hmm. All the, all the, all the ludicrousness. Runner-up last year, runner-up 2017, winner in 2018. And, of course, ATP not allowed in this category because it won every time. Uh, I have three that I wanted to mention. So Mortex, which is uh, which is Cortex with more stuff in it. I, I listen to that. It is uh, just not worth, every no, episode. Thank you. But uh, I, I enjoy it. For the sake of voting, um, if a show has a member show, which is a different You name, just rolled it into I'll put Cortex. Them all together. That's fine. I'm just saying I listen to Mortex. Thank you. Um, I also listen to Connected again. Not every episode. I don't have the time, but a lot. And I also listen live sometimes, which is also fun. Mm-hmm. And you guys have a uh, a great rapport. You've had it since you started. Um, you're all okay. So the people on Connected are not quite you in real life. They're a little bit exaggerated sure. for the for for the fun of it. For the japes. Yes, exactly. Even yes, even Federico. He's not quite that wacky in mm-hmm. real life but close um it works really well uh, it is a very funny uh podcast like i i think if i if somebody said i want to listen to tech podcasts but they have to be funny i'd say well you want the rebound and connected those mm-hmm. are the, those are your your kind of zany apple themed podcasts it's like those a different two. type of entertainment it is yeah it is and, and although we have fun here we have fun different. here, but it is different um, and not not as wacky. We're not as wacky as Connected is. So I like I enjoy Connected because of the that dynamic um, and all of the ridiculous things that you guys do on there. It's great. You took like you could have just stolen the draft from us, but you didn't. Instead, you made a bizarre Byzantine rules based competition 
some of which the rules don't even matter and it doesn't uh anyway it's written down in a couple of weeks (laughs) i know and then um and and the one tech podcast that i picked up this uh this year is dithering the subscription only podcast well i mean all podcasts are subscriptions but you have to pay for it from Mm -hmm. ben thompson and john gruber 15 minutes three times a week and i've really enjoyed that and also 15 minutes is about how as long as i can uh that that's my uh that's my shower podcast Mm -hmm. i can i can listen to that while i'm in the shower and get my quick download of tech stuff and then move on because Mm -hmm. i have too many podcasts in my queue uh my favorite tech podcast of this year is dithering um now i will just say we're going to talk about 20 max later for a good reason but i love dithering um my favorite episodes of the talk show were always the ones with ben thompson because i like the balance that they bring of technology and business plus they disagree a lot which i like and i also enjoy that my opinions change between the two of them so it's it's always interesting because I'm sometimes on one side of the argument one sometimes on side of the other I do also really love that it's 15 minutes and it's three times a week it's like perfect little like making coffee doing the washing up taking a shower that type of thing I think it's a genius idea excellently executed yes I love it like I really really love it so as somebody who edited clockwise every episode of clockwise for like I don't know 150 episodes 200 episodes I don't know when I stopped doing clockwise, but that's a 30 minute show. And although we would, we would underrun, we couldn't overrun. And dithering is 15 minutes, not a second less or more. And so one of the things I really enjoy, and Jim Metzendorf, I believe, edits that podcast, mm-hmm. uh, who edits some relay shows and some incomparable shows. Um, I enjoy it also because I can tell how i love seeing how jim has to fill the time to get it to 15 by having that sometimes that stopwatch clicks for a long time folks (laughs) (laughs) i love it it's hilarious because it's really hard to hit it right on the dot and um and he does it but sometimes you you the clock goes on a long time and it makes me laugh so yeah i i think it's a great newcomer but also a uh, great tech podcast and i'd be happy with it winning it's not in the upgradians picks it appears later on uh, which is interesting. I'm not going to petition for Connected to win, which will upset Stephen. Look, I'm so thankful that the Upgradians, over a quarter of them, voted for Connected. I love that, right? And look, I understand it because I listen to shows like Connected. Uh, if you like Connected, you really like it because it's that kind of show, right? Yeah. Like you're in it and you love it. But I'm, I cannot give myself an award. I just can't do it. Like I, I, I want to win awards. Who doesn't? But I don't want to give them to myself. So if I, does that mean that you shouldn't? Have you have you ever gotten uh, an upgrade? Yeah, I think you have. Yeah, connected has one. Right. So I insisted on it, and then it's a gentlemanly thing. I'm like, no, no. After you, yeah. <laughs> and I allowed, and I, I sort of bestowed it upon you. But you're not going to bestow it upon yourself. No. Okay. Well, in this case, though, I think I think Dithering's the answer. I think Dithering should win. It's true. Like, there aren't many shows where I think to myself, oh, is today the day? Yeah. And that is one where I think about it. Where I'm yeah. like, oh, is, is today and, a Dithering day? And those don't, those don't queue up for me. No, I listen I, to I, them I, immediately. I listen to them every yeah. single day. I listen to them immediately. Yeah. This is the same, well, actually, with the Stratechery Daily podcast, which is another one that I picked up this year that I love. 
All right. And uh, for runners up, I'm going to say connected mm-hmm. and, and upgrade because it give ourselves laugh. a runner up. <laughs> Always the bridesmaid. <laughs> well, we can't. We've set, we've established that one of us can give an award to the other one, but mm-hmm. we can't give it to ourselves. No. And unless like Steven breaks into the upgradees to give us an award. So here's the conditional set. Upgrade needs to get over 90% of the Upgradians vote for us to oh, give ourselves man. the award. All right? There we go. Precedent has been set. Last wow, two awards. The campaigning for the 2021 Upgradies has begun already. <laughs> wow. For your consideration. <laughs> uh, favorite non-tech podcast. The Upgradians voted. This one's wild. This is like the books one where it's just yeah. like, here is... 1,500 different shows. Uh, 3.7% of the vote goes to Reconcilable Differences. 4% of the vote goes to Dubai Friday. And 4.5% of the vote goes to Cortex. Wow. This is a hard one as well because, Mm -hmm. again, I don't listen to that many podcasts. And my podcast that I listen to all the time, it's in the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. So the Flophouse. Yes. So that leaves me, uh, I'll list some. I've mentioned some of these in past upgradees. The podcast with Mike Schur and Joe Poznanski. Um, 13 Minutes to the Moon, which is a BBC podcast that was originally released last year about Apollo 11, but they did a new season this year about Apollo 13. Really well done. Very good podcast. Um, Reconcilable Differences. Again, one of those podcasts that I don't listen to every episode, but I do listen sporadically when I have the time and is delightful. And uh, we know those guys. And I want to mention Dan Morin's podcast, A Complicated Profession, about The Mandalorian, episode oh. by episode, um, over on The Incomparable. I, I listened to every episode of that, too, and really enjoyed Dan and his guests. And he had a different guest every time, um, breaking down what happened in The Mandalorian. And that is a sign of a show that I really like, that I want to listen to the episode by episode breakdown as the, um, as the show's being released. Uh, for me... My brother, my brother, and me. I've got to give it another nod. I love that show. Um, but for me, also, the besties. Now you may remember mm-hmm. the besties. I've spoken about it on this show before because it became a Spotify original. Right. Tis no longer a Spotify original. Interesting. Uh, from what I could piece together from what they said on the show, Spotify did not want to renew it. Huh. So this is answering a question of if you do not have a lot of listeners on Spotify and you're a Spotify original, they will get rid of you. Which is what it seems has happened here with the besties. They have now got the show back. They moved the feed, which is cool. The feed got moved. So Spotify will do that for you. They're out on their own again. They put all the old feeds, all the episodes back in the feed and now they're trying to build up their audience base again. And one of the things that I like that they said on the show, and I think it's going to be interesting, is we're going to find out what happens to a listenership when you go exclusive and then don't. So this is like these questions we've been asking for as long as Spotify have been doing this stuff is what happens to a listenership if you were a podcast that people listen to, then you went exclusive, it goes down. And then how do you get it back again? So I encourage people to go listen to the besties. It is a video game podcast. It's the best video game podcast I've ever listened to. I adore it. Justin and Griffin McElroy, Chris Plant, and uh, Russ Frostick, previously all at Polygon. The show was started when they were at Polygon. And it is the idea of the, the, what if the world's best friends played the world's best games. I love it. It's just a superb show. It's very funny, very entertaining, and uh, very cool. I love it. So that's, uh, I think this one's going to be tricky. What I will say, you've got rec diffs. 
the upgrading has got reconcilable differences. I have really been enjoying rec diffs in quarantine or quorn uh-huh. as they call it. Like I, I really enjoyed the show like more than I ever have during this period. I've been, I take a lot of uh, um, comfort listening to Merlin and John talk about how they're getting through the pandemic. I don't like listening to stories about John's toe. I could do without those. Uh, but mm-hmm. aside from that, it's a great show. And look, I would I would give it the nod here, Jason. It's not one before. Let's do it. Reconcilable Differences. It was a previous uh, runner-up and is the winner of the favorite non-tech podcast this year. Um, let's. What do you want to go with for the runners-up? I would like to put the besties in here because... Do it. And which other? Uh, a complicated profession. Cool. They are More runners-upness up. for Dan Morin. <laughs> okay. Final award of the evening. And this one is for favorite podcast newcomer. Woo! We've reached the end. You know, so these award shows, they tend to run long. Mm-hmm. The Upgradians, 5.6%. The Test Drivers, which is a show that I host with Austin Evans, and I'm very thankful for that. So thank you to everybody that put that in there. I wasn't expecting it, and I'm very thankful for it. 11.1% of the vote goes to 20 max for 2020, which is Jason's what? podcast, which completed today. Yes, if you're a member, it completed today, and if you're not, it'll complete Thursday. That'll be this is the week. This is because you, Mike, you see, I've run out of 2020. Yeah, just in time, huh? See what I did there? You really got. That I had one to in start there. at some point. I had to start because I was going to run out of 2020, and that's mm-hmm. in the name of the show. So this I guess is the week. You have to release the episode on Thursday. Uh, I do, and in fact, it is coming out Thursday because also I did that last week too yeah. because the holidays on the Fridays, so I moved them to Thursdays. But it does get me in on on December thirty first. Yeah, yeah. Sixteen point one percent goes to dithering. Ah, uh, yes, which makes sense. Stays here. I understand why people put it here rather than a favorite tech podcast because it's new. But I think that that show. Honestly, for me, I like it so much that it's, um, I wanted to honor it there. Plus, okay, my vote here is very simple. It's very clear. It's 20 max for 2020. Oh, and I think nice. that it fits better in the newcomer because it's gone. Uh, it's it's uh, yeah. gone now. It's not going mm, to come back. You genuinely... Put a year in it, and that pretty much limits you. ...have done an absolutely outstanding job with this show. Like, Thank you. When I say all that stuff I said about dithering of where is dithering and as soon as it comes out, I listen to it, it's exactly the same for 20 Max. This is not just because you're one of my closest friends because I don't feel this way about every project that all of my friends have ever made, right? Where it's like not just that I enjoy it, but that I enjoy it enough that I will stop listening two shows that I'm halfway through to listen to the next episode Ooh. of 20 Max because you have created a audio documentary series about the Macintosh with excellent production values. You have done some truly wild things in tracking down old CEOs of companies. Mm-hmm. It's very <laughs> well edited. You know, that's to the to work of you and, and Brian as well for, for the help that Brian's given you. But I know that really you've you've brought the story together, right? You've done an 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 absolutely excellent job with the show. Thank you, 
Thank you. I, it was meant to be a creative challenge. It was more challenging than I thought it would be. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm very happy with the result, too. I, I, I absolutely am. It was not part of the original plan to even do it. And no, I ended and up doing it. You did. I got a um I got a mention that I'll I'll mention here there was a a site discoverpods.com that named the 71 best podcasts of 2020 it's an interesting number 71 why 71 but 20 max for 2020 is on there so well, I'll take it I'll take it seven top we're top 71 yeah I want it to win this yeah. award you won't give it to yourself but I think 20 max well, for 2020 strangely not too many minutes ago we we established that one of us can give the other one an award and that that i have previously given you one mm-hmm. so i think it's clear that i will accept gratefully also i don't have anything else to put in this category no thank you so 20 max of 2020 wins our favorite podcast newcomer of Woo! the year we have dithering and the test drivers as our runners up and thus concludes the upgradies for 2020 look 2020 has been a tricky year Right, that's putting it lightly. Doesn't mean there hasn't been good things, and I'm really happy with the list of stuff that we've had here today because there's been lots of great content. There's been lots of great news and products and technology, and I'm very pleased that we've been able to assemble a list of these things for you here. I would like to thank the many, many, many upgradians who voted in uh, the upgrades this year and also everyone who has supported us this year by listening to the show this is our final episode of 2020 we're going to be into next year which i'm excited about into 2021 um i also want to give a extra special thanks as well to everyone that has become a member and supported upgrade this year it's been uh, we've really enjoyed uh, putting together upgrade plus and we thank yes. you for your support yeah it's uh, been a challenging year obviously for everybody and um one of the delightful things that has happened this year is that so many people when we rolled out the new membership system so many people decided that they were going to support upgrade directly and Mm -hmm. you know can't i think mike and i cannot be more grateful to you for doing that we really do appreciate it and for everyone else you know the bottom line is you kept listening and we thank you for listening because i think a lot of us didn't um have lost some of our podcast listening time. So we appreciate you continuing to listen to this show, 332 episodes in. Thank you to everyone who chooses to listen to Upgrade. We know that there are um, many podcast choices out there, many of them we mentioned. And uh, so thank you so much for listening to this show and uh, another year in the books. But uh, it was, I think in terms of this podcast, it was a good year. Very few things I could say that about, but in terms of this podcast, I think it was a good year. Uh, I would also like to thank Simon Buckmaster for his incredible work on the Upgrade's artwork this year and all of the artwork that he has created for this show over uh, the course of our time, all of our wonderful chapter artwork Simon has created for us and we're very thankful for him. Uh, Zach Knox for building Upgrade's.com where you can see the winners of every category of every year Um, and also, Zach puts together our draft scoreboards and scorecards for us yeah. as well. So, uh, And also, thank you to Chris Breen for creating the theme song for this episode and every other theme that we have. You know, the, the regular theme, the summer fun theme, all put together by Chris. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for listening to the Upgradies for 2020. We would like to wish you a very happy new year. Thank you very much to our sponsors for this episode, DoorDash, Hover, same box and pingdom. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Goodbye, Jason Snell. Ah, special one. Oh, and I won the draft too. It's not necessary. To, we know this already. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to.
You giveth and you taketh away, right? Yeah. 